At least once you guys log off, you're out of the room with this guy. Yeah. I'm still here with him. Well, howdy there, Pilgrim. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. That's <laughs> face. actual fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm Sam, and I'm I guess. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here. I'm Ash. I just unsubscribed to this podcast, though. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. No one ever likes my jokes anymore. I guess I'm oh. done to the world. You could probably drop any more from that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brett. I love you. I wish I could give you a hug in person. It was just right there. Like you can't, you can't. Pat, if I had that button from Austin Powers, the Doctor Evil button, where it flips your chair back and throws you into the pit of flames, you'd be there. If there was any one of this show who could possibly rig up a situation like that, it'd probably be you. Yeah. <laughs> so why would you turn on the one person defending you right now? Because uh, it was he, that was a, that was a cold, a deep cut that Pat just did there. I was saying he wasn't he defending it, him; he was burning him hard. No, I was saying I was saying I loved him, and I think he's very funny and a genuinely. Funny, but mm. you can't just you can't you should have known me right now. You can't like hold that pinata up in front of my face and not expect me to smack it. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, well, Brett. speaking of replacing Pat, uh, we have a great <laughs> guest on today. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt Stormageddon is joining us from the network. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to be back. I'm yeah. glad to be on the on the episode that was foretold in the legends of we me were, harassing waited. you for years. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, was like, it foretold dips. or did you just like... <laughs> you dip, dip, dip. Yeah. You may not do this without me. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't clear from my my intro, uh, the, oh. the, the movie today is Scott Pilgrim. Uh, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Fuck you. <laughs> I really didn't get it, though. No, this is earnest. <laughs> I thought you were doing a cowboy. Pilgrim yeah, he was. Say I said cowboy. He was doing. He was doing John <laughs> oh. Wayne, and part of like the quintessential John Wayne parody caricature impersonation is you call someone Pilgrim. So gotcha. honestly, to be fair to Brett, that was a very good touchstone, and we should have connected those dots. <laughs> but flame zing, right over my head. Well, listen, as a a white female millennial, I've seen so many John Wayne movies. <laughs> Absolutely. That's like, uh, I mean, that's like the stereotype, right? Yes. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Totally. You had his poster yeah, up when you were in high school? We're super into Pump and Spice and John Wayne. That's what we're into. Yeah. <laughs> I heard Pump and Spice, and I was like... That's what, what? I heard, too, Sam. Yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> Which will be our new girl band. <laughs> pump and Spice? Yeah. I like that. That's good. I love it. And we have to wear pumps. <laughs> yes. Obviously. But which yeah. one's Pump and which one's Spice? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a band that had pump in the title because like you only do covers of the Spice Girls or yes. no, I was gonna say of a 
uh, Spice Girls, and then whatever that band, whatever uh, that Smashing band Pumpkins. Well, so oh. no, you're a cover band. You only do Spice Girls and Smashing Pumpkins. Songs. Yes, <laughs> your your live shows are divided into two very different halves. <laughs> <laughs> Half the audience leaves, another half comes in. Comes in exactly right. It cycles out because the genre is so different. Yes, that is what happened at a concert that we attended. Were you there, Ash? When it was Mars Volta. Oh my god! Oh no! Before System of a Down. Oh, and it was packed for Mars Volta, and then everyone bounced, and we're like, "What?" And didn't you go for System of a Down, too? Yeah. I feel like I remember. Of yeah. course, like a normal person. Well, yeah. well there was Mars Volta and System of a Down, and that was that was a dope concert. And then we did Mars Volta and uh, fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Oh. And that was a weird Ooh. concert. That was a weird concert. <laughs> the, I would argue the lineup of the first concert I ever went to was kind of weird and all over the place. It was very of the time. So, uh the big alternative rock station in Chicago is Q101 and they, I don't know if they still do it, but they had a concert every holidays, like at the end of the year called twisted for Christmas. Mm. So whenever I went, I was like seventh or eighth grade. It was my first concert. And this will tell you, I mean, I'm just going to say the bands and it'll tell you the year. It was Brett. You like this one? Chumba Wumba. <laughs> yes. Uh, Everclear. Oh, yes. Wow. Portland represent three eleven. Mm. I would okay. want to go see 311 still. The, the big headliner was The Cure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is very 90s. That must have been like in the 80, late 80s, early 90s, right? It was late 90s. You, you said that 90s. was a, a radio station lineup, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, I was like, that doesn't make any sense for anything but just like uh, the radio station. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We've played all of those songs <laughs> mm-hmm. at one point or another. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because like the Cure, I feel like I have a very long career and established, and like, but those other ones are uh, very of the time, like yeah. especially those for yeah. I feel like there was a time period where like three eleven would play anything though, like they were just always yeah. yes in yes. every like, concert. Would you say they were always there? There, <laughs> uh, boo, and I like three eleven, but boo, there's the pinata. <laughs> And he hits it. <laughs> can yeah, you, you can go. you name another Chumbawamba song? No. no, I can't name any Chumbawamba song. Um, I know. So they had they were huge overseas. Here they only had two hits. Um, and I can't remember the they name of the second two? single. Yes, two? there was a song. There was a follow up single off that album after uh, tub some tub thumping. And I only know that because oh, my dad. Right. M- my dad used to get monthly like radio DJ compilations. Because he was friends with a DJ, and so it would always be like the radio hits every month. And I remember later that year we got one that had their follow up single that didn't break as big as Tub Thumping, but I can't I can't remember what it was called. I'm like googling it, trying to find it, and all I'm finding is Tub Thumping. That's it. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, it. pretty much. Amnesia is that it? That's the Maybe. only other thing that comes up. So speaking of uh, one hit wonder music hits, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff from this soundtrack that I listen to a lot mm-hmm. yeah. uh, yep. that were not songs in, that that were played on the radio or anything. This is just like a banger soundtrack that was it like seriously only is. for this. 
Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, the soundtrack's ridiculous. The cast is ridiculous. I mean, I'll dive in. I mean, I, I know, I'm sure, Matt, you have a lot you want to talk about <laughs> here. Um, we're doing sure. it. This, guys, if you want to, if everyone listening to this wants to feel like, holy shit, where the time go, you might be surprised to hear we're doing this movie because, like, wait, I thought movies had to be at least 10 years old. This movie is. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be 10 years old. It came Surprise. out in 2010. Yeah. You're old now? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. If you're listening to this on release day, it's today. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and, and I am course, listening to it on release day. I have acquired a time machine. And <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's a right. hot tub Wait. and I'm listening to tub thumping while being in it. Hot Just tub kidding. thumping. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What have I gotten myself into? (laughs) Show rails. What are they? Podcast Um, canceled. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, Writers are credited as Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall, but also the um, the credited as uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, who wrote the graphic novel that it's based on. Did you? Ed, Edgar, Edgar Wright? You said Edgar Wright, like uh, like uh, Men in Black, he's wearing an Edgar suit. No, he didn't. He said Edgar Wright. He said Did he? Edgar okay. Wright. I'm just hearing it weird in my don't head. Don't belittle my Midwestern accent. She said accent. Edgar Wright, right? right? Okay. Don't right, right. know, Brett. Don't. Right? Right, right. But who's on first? Right. <laughs> don't don't make fun of my Midwest accent, Brett, all right? <laughs> I don't. Oh, there it is. Don't appreciate it. Anyway. If you're going to do that, I'm going to go back to John Wayne. Yeah, you coast, you coastal, you coastal elites. Uh, I'm tired of it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so I mean, the the cast is crazy stacked. Um, Michael Sarah in the titular role as Scott Pilgrim, Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Aubrey Wait, Plaza. Anna, Mary I Elizabeth always Winstead. forget Anna Kendrick's in this. Yeah. I always Shit. forget. I'm, not even get, I'm just getting warmed up, you guys. Yeah, there's so many more. Yeah. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Ellen oh, Wong, yeah. um, a bunch of people have small roles that you recognize. Uh, Chris Evans, Captain America what? himself. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. Yeah. He's the beacon, yep. right? Brandon, Bra- mm-hmm. no, that's Brandon Routh. Brandon, oh. that's Brandon oh. Routh. Yeah. Brie Larson. Yeah, Brie uh, Larson's amazing. May though. Whitman. Uh, you'll recognize yep. her if you don't know the name. Tons of people that you'll recognize their faces. Yeah, the cast is stacked front to back. I remember when we went and saw the uh, the midnight showing for this at uh, the New Beverly, and uh, Brian O'Malley was there, and uh, and Brie Larson was there for Q and A. Uh, and everybody in the crowd was like, Brian Lee O'Malley! And like, nobody had a single question for Brie Larson. Oh. I was like, Ugh. Yeah, this was an early role for her. Like, she yeah, had done other she, stuff, but this was like her first big movie role. Totally. Yeah, she and wasn't she super well known. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just knowing where she ended up, it was just like, that's looking back, I was like, that was this, a missed opportunity for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this this whole cast, like looking like all the superhero, like Brendan Routh had already been Superman by this point, but Chris Evans had not been Captain America yet and was mm-hmm. in this. He had been Human Torch in those. Yes, he had. He had movies. been Human Torch mm-hmm. already. Yeah. But nobody remembers this. No. I mean, I do. <laughs> Oh <laughs> no, they're not good. They don't, yeah. No, they're not. Well, it's funny. Also, uh, Brett talking about the soundtrack. What I thought was fascinating is that all three of the members of Sex Bomb. Play. They were cast because they could act, but also because they could play those instruments. Oh, 
interesting. They're all playing. They're all playing those actual parts. And then all of the music for Sex Bobomb, as well as I think one or two other songs on the soundtrack, yeah, and Ramona as well, it, are all written by uh, Beck. Beck did all of the writing for, and also for Crash and the Boys, their fake mm. songs in the song competition. That's he wrote awesome. all of that music. Wow. Although, much like the uh, the last Jean-Claude Van Damme thing we saw, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I read the guy that isn't Scott Pilgrim and that's in the band, the, the bass player or whatever, he actually couldn't play it. <laughs> he had yeah, never same. actually played bass when they when he picked up the bass to play, and they had to do a whole. You're talking bunch about of not t- Michael Sarah, right? Right, right. Yeah, not Michael Sarah, yeah. the other, yeah. the other dude. Because Michael Sarah actually can play bass so well, he had to tone it down mm-hmm. to make it like believable. Oh, it's the other guy's lead guitar then, or guitar? Yeah, yeah. 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 So he like learned for the role. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Everyone else had to learn. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the Sekpa Bomb band had to learn, except Michael Sarah, who was too good and had to tone it down. <laughs> Wow, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Stills, uh, played by uh, I'm forgetting his name. I um, can't remember his name now. The actor, but also Allison Pill was taught to play drums and still plays drums to this day. Not a ton, but like knows how to play drums because of this movie, which I think is pretty neat. Well, that's awesome. That's rad. One thing that's and interesting th- is um, the uh, like 99 of the trivia that I thought was interesting is all stuff that I feel like I should wait till after because it's kind of spoilery uh but real quick but we've all but seen it though right? we all have okay yeah <laughs> but uh this is one that i thought was interesting is um the comic was not finished at the time they were shooting correct oh. so they had to f- come up with an ending yep and they oh, shot wow. multiple That's wh- different endings yeah yeah that's why brian lee o'malley is credited as a writer sort of because he helped them end the story that's why from from the like the midpoint of the movie on, it diverges so drastically from the comics is because the mm-hmm. comics were still being written. This movie took what like like eight years or something to get made or something, six. Right? Yeah, it took wow. a t- so, yeah, it took a long wow. time. Um, but shows you it is possible as long as you um, have reference for the source material and you work with the creator and I don't know you actually give a shit about the project, you can finish <laughs> a cinematic uh, a cinematic adaptation of a written thing that's not finished and make it good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. It's they didn't with the, Game of Thrones. It? Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a dig at Game of Thrones. No, no shade at HBO or anything. Yeah. Oh, no, all shade at HBO. Uh, well, no, uh, my understanding was HBO wanted it to be a little bit longer and give them time to flesh it out. And it was the two gentlemen who shall not be named. Basically like, yeah, we're done with this. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. Motherfuckers. But they went off book like season four. Like, yeah. It, anyway, we could, we could, I could, we could get into the whole thing. <laughs> I always, always kind of wondered, like, now. how fucked up were those contracts that HBO is like, yeah, we're funding this project. And then the guys were like, yeah, but we don't want it to be longer. And then HBO was just like, I mean, yeah, sure, we're making like tens of millions of dollars an episode, but like, yeah, sure, end it early, whatever. Like, yeah, I feel like I they should have just fired I mean, those dudes. They probably wanted to get them big Netflix or Star Wars contracts that both yeah. have evaporated or something, I guess. Oh, I yeah. They, the yeah. they they flubbed uh, the end of Game of Thrones so bad that no one wants to work with them now. Correct. Yeah. They've yeah. also well, that, said And the way that they like tr- talked yeah. about it was like, because yeah. uh, they yeah. were basically I'm also been like, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we just were like, whatever. We figured it out on the go. And it's like, fuck you. Every, meanwhile, everyone who's like working their ass off to make everything they create as perfect as possible, you're just like, yeah. you motherfuckers. 
You yeah, only we had, made the worst character decision you could during the Me Too movement, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember we went and watched uh, one of the things at a viewing party, and uh, they played the the uh, whatever that was behind the scenes was, you know, after the show, mm-hmm. which we had never watched before. And uh, I, they're like, yeah, well, don't you want to hear what they, what they thought about while they were writing this? And it was like, no, not really. And they played it, and it's just like, oh, man, like – that scene felt like there was so much more depth in it than what they explained. Like, just. <sighs> you made it worse by explaining it. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those, like, never meet your hero- heroes sort of things. Just, like, mm-hmm. never yeah. never ask yeah, the creator of the art what their intent was because it won't live up. No, especially if you, like, hold it up to a certain pedestal. And, like, one of the reasons I was so emphatic about coming back to the show once I found out that y'all all loved this movie as well, at least when you had seen it last, is that... I think it's the picture-perfect representation of my life in video game form in the fact that, or in movie form, in the fact that the jokes are for me, the music is for me, the acting is for me, the dialogue, like, all of this stuff is written in a way that it was like it was made for me, and it wasn't. It was made for a mass release, but, like, I felt so close to this material in a way that no Mm. other movie had ever made me feel. Like you had to, you had to fight to the death all of your spouse's exes before you guys could get married, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we totally had to do that. Um, <laughs> that old chestnut, <laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's really amazing that that it's been ten years since this movie came out. That there has been some love recently for it. Um, as I sent Pat not too long ago, they did a cast reading, which has become popular during the Corona times. They've done a ca- they did a cast reading for charity with most of the actors present, which was pretty cool to see. Um, so technically I've heard the lines since I last watched it, but I haven't watched Side the movie note. itself. Side <laughs> note, the Corona Times, worst fucking newspaper in the world. The worst. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Before 2020, though, it would have sounded like a chill island newspaper where they talk That's about right. beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Unless yeah, you were epidemiologist. Fucked. <laughs> yeah. The Corona Times was the the newspaper. Like, if if someone handed it to me, I guess I'd read it. Is that the alternate (laughs) timeline with the Berenstein Bears? Yeah. That's (laughs) the other Corona Times when everyone gets to retire to an island. (laughs) That's the good timeline. Yeah, we're definitely in the bad. Yeah, the darkest darkest timeline. For sure. Abed Mm -hmm. was right. Abed called it all those years ago. Yeah. (laughs) God damn it, Danny Pudi. So give us some more (laughs) trivia, Pat. I mean, like, uh, one thing I like is um, they did these cool things for the character development. Because all these characters, even though a lot of them, there's so many, but they're not on, a lot of them don't have a ton of screen time. But I feel like all of them leave lasting impressions and are very distinct. And I think that's one thing I really liked about it. One thing they did was they handed out, um, like, crib sheets to each actor to help them flesh out the character. And... Uh, everyone had uh, 10 secret things about each character that only like their character knew. And mm-hmm. one that I thought was very interesting that informs a lot was the list that was given to Aubrey Plaza for her character. Julie told her that she has had a long time crush on Scott. Oh, <laughs> that is yeah. interesting. I, yeah, recently, I, think- I was going to say, I recently saw a thing that uh, was, was posting about how like all of the different exes are wearing something to indicate you know like which number they are mm-hmm. on their shirts yep. or clothing or whatever and i thought that was pretty cool 
also something to watch for in the movie is their scene setting with each number as well. Like the one that mm-hmm. I always remember is I think Roxy Richter is five. Yes, because the twins are. Um, oh no, she's four. I think um, the the club that they're going into before that fight happens. There's a four on the door, or like oh, of course the most yeah, famous yeah. one. Todd Ingram is wearing a three on his shirt. You know because he's the mm. third evil ex. Um, yeah, it's it was smart. It was smart design, and I think that exists in the comic too. It's been a while. For all the times that I've watched this movie, I've not read the comics through as much. I have read them several times, but like it's been a while. But I think those hints are in there too. Have you played the game? Oh my god, have I played the game? <laughs> it's so much fun. So my, the thing that drives me crazy. All right, we'll go on a brief video game rant that Brett, I'm sure, <laughs> will cut down immensely. But since I am also a game podcaster on our own network, I might as well do this. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game was a game that was um, created when the movie came out to release in tandem with the movie. It was a classic arcade-style beat-em-up that took place through the course of the movie. And what was really great about that game is that the soundtrack was done by the phenomenal band Anamanaguchi, who are a, eight, a like a tech-based 8-bit band. like, mm-hmm. um, And they did a whole original score for the game. And it was wild. It was one of the best beat-em-up games ever made. However, the agreement was with Universal, and there were rights lent to Xbox and PlayStation to put these games out on their consoles. Once the contract was up, they pulled the game. Now, unless oh. you have it unless you have it downloaded to your Xbox, which is offline, or your PS3, which is offline, you can no longer re-download that game. If you have it, you can keep it. But it is now no longer available anywhere because they lost the rights to it. Oh, and really? So they can't, anywhere? Like, they, yeah, the game company that made it lost the rights. Universal, after the contract was up, was like, that's it. You have to pull this game. And so wow. while p- people have been clamoring for re-release on modern consoles, like imagine how great that game would be on the Switch. It would look beautiful on the Switch. Um, it's They just they can't. The developers can't re-release it. They're not allowed. Oh, did it come so out? Sad. Did the game come out before the movie or after? Uh, just before the movie, okay. but it was out the tenure of the movie and after. I think part of yeah. the problem is that notoriously this movie tanked and then found huge success post release. You know, people bought yeah. it on DVD. It got it got cult status, but it bombed in the box office. It didn't. I don't. I'm sure Pat will get into this, That's, but it, I, I mean I a little bit. It, it didn't. It didn't do great. It was and a lot of it was chalked up to the marketing, marketing. team didn't know the, what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with it. Sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> Princess yeah. Bride, How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to see the trailer um, for it. Because what did they do? Just like that, the movie guy voice, like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have seen, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to see it. We should totally How do you uh, fuck up the marketing the, for How to Train Your Dragon? There's literally a dragon in the name. You just, I, I it know. It says everything. For the first one, they, they royally messed it up. And thank God the mommy blogger saved it and like got the yeah. word out that it was a good movie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The budget was an estimated 60 million on this. Yeah, wow. sixty or open, sixteen? Six zero. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and opening weekend USA it did ten point six million. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Wor- worldwide, it did it. Yeah, worldwide gross was forty seven million. That's a face plant. Ooh, yeah. Yep. But we went and saw it in theaters. So yeah, notoriously Edgar Wright has said in interviews that he wanted to advertise it a certain way, but Universal was worried that those advertisements wouldn't speak to people. So Mm -hmm. instead they tried to market it like a romantic comedy, which is sort of what the movie is, but that's not what it's about. It's a video game. It's a video game in real life. 
with like hijinks and action and like they were just afraid they wouldn't be like they wouldn't be able to pull the right audience and so yeah the trailers i remember seeing the trailers and the only reason i was interested is because there were video game sound effects in the trailer and so i then looked it up and i had a savvy friend who was like oh this is a great comic you should read it and so like i saw it in the theaters read the entire comic in like a sitting and then saw it like four more times in the theater but unfortunately mainstream crowds just didn't weren't interested because they didn't know what it was about could you imagine like today like like there's like like free guy like is totally leaning into the fact that it's a video game movie if it Mm -hmm. was marketed today it was just a few years before it's time really i would argue like Mm -hmm. even five years later it would have done gangbusters yep yeah i would like even like i guess i don't know how you do a sequel but like a sequel could probably do really well there are rumors that there's going to be an anime, um, an anime sequel, like an animated oh. version. Oh, but fun. nothing's concrete yet. I saw an article yeah. from a somewhat reputable source. So, but Edgar Wright's is in talks to do more with the Scott Pilgrim property. So that's, uh-huh. cool. that's cool. I just, I just feel like, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Edgar Wright it, it can do no wrong, uh, but he's done a lot of really cool stuff, and yes. I feel like. The the news I hear like this, they didn't want to let him advertise it the way he wanted, and then the whole Ant Man thing, and yep. like what's with people ha- trying to hire Edgar Wright and then like not letting him do what he wants to do. I feel like Absolutely. more than most people, yeah. like more than most directors, he seems to have a full grasp of the thing he wants to make and also how to tell well, people about it. Yeah, if you have like a, a a talented creative person and you hire them to do a job, let them fucking do the job. Yep. Wasn't it the Lord and Taylor who did the first Lego movie were hired for I think Solo, one of the start, like, and then they got yeah. hired. Yeah, because yeah. they made it too funny. Which I I, I think uh, like Solo's yeah. down down towards the bottom of the chain of all the Star Wars yeah. movies. Like, and it's like if you're gonna hire a, you should know what you're getting because you can see the work they've done, right? That's going to tell you a little bit about what they're going to bring to the table. And if you decide they're yeah. the right person for the job, fucking let them do the job then. Pat, like, I yeah. have an answer for you, and it's fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, – I'll Corporate. let you yeah. say it. Suits, it, yeah. It is the most infuriating thing about Hollywood is that the people that control the money are not creatives. But yep. – They have egos bigger than every creative, and they are convinced because they stuck their fingers in the pie that it was successful because of their hand. Therefore, because they have the the money, they can pull the strings and make decisions. Mm -hmm. And they are 100% convinced that they know better than every creative that they hire. And it's infuriating. Yeah, Yeah, it's It's, the... uh frustrating as hell the ss success is the is the boat that sinks uh, <laughs> like ev- every yeah. time mm-hmm. a project looks good the ceos yeah. want to get involved and yeah. then it sinks it's terrible it, it's it's a disney it's a reoccurring problem that we've seen in animation like lion king and pocahontas were going on at the same time and everyone was like that stupid lion movie i don't want to touch it and the <laughs> creatives were left alone and it was fucking brilliant and then pocahontas yeah. had all of the executives in it and they got watered down and it sucked and like lilo yeah, and yeah. stitch they literally like it's notorious for like being that little offshoot at the florida studio and mm. like they had um a really good executive who was like okay just give the other executives just enough to show that it's going but don't tell them too much don't make them too interested and yeah. so like chris sanders was able to do what he wanted but you wow. have to like hide it. You have to yeah. hide good art from executives, or they will ruin it. It's like a weird, a weird catch twenty two. Like you can, you'll never have a movie that's 
a hundred percent good as it could have been with like the unlimited funding of good because by the time mm-hmm. it gets to that point fucking stupid ass people want to be involved yeah <laughs> yep. yeah i just yeah. had this conversation because i've been in the gen con film festival this weekend and doing some panels and i just did the director's panel and we were talking about afterwards they had this like green room on discord and this one person was like why do producers get to fire directors and i was like well because the producer is the one usually funding and uh-huh. and while they're like they're not creative people and i was like true but they think that they are and they (laughs) sometimes they are and also they hire the director and so if the director's not doing what they want they'll fire them i mean so at least like a producer there's a higher chance of you having a good producer yeah but like when you get into studio execs like jordan Mm -hmm. peele he's he's technically an executive producer but he's a creative so i'm like okay you get a green pass like you're good Mm-hmm. But then you get like other people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. You're just like, ah. uh, yeah, p- people that don't know what they're doing, and all of a sudden you've got Quibi, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shots oh, fired. Jeffrey, shots Jeffrey. fired. Don't listen to him, Jeff. If you have a few, few spare million lying around, I would gladly like to pitch you a five minute show. <laughs> 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 Call me, Jeff. Call me. Uh, he prefers yeah. JK, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TC. Jesus. By the uh, way, uh, I googled it, and you might uh, you might be excited to hear, Matt, that there is an article from July of this year that it has been teased of a re-release for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game. Nice. Ooh. That's awesome. Ooh. By That's the nice. composer. Cool. So, if it comes out, you should get it. It's a good game. It's so fun. And what's really cool about the art style of the game is so, obviously, this was a comic book. It was a graphic novel. And they will, in the flashbacks in the movie, if you've seen it, they use the comic book art. They use Brian Lee O'Malley's um, work. It looks like it. It looks like it. It's actually Oscar Wright, done by Oscar Wright. But Uh, specifically with, like, Oscar Wright, his brother, did it specifically to look like the comic. Oh. Right, and as an in an homage to it, but so yeah. so yeah, and so the games also mimic the style of that art, and it looks great. And like seeing those sprites in motion, looking, mm-hmm. they look like Super Nintendo sprites, but they're they're too advanced for that. They're too graphically detailed for that. But it is in that homage and genre and air, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's perfect. If I could buy an arcade machine of that game, I would put that in my home. Luckily, <laughs> I bet my you Edgar Wright has that. I bet he, he does. Must. The, the video game stuff, there's it's it, there's too many to count. Like all, it's literally yeah. the whole thing all the way through. One thing I just thought was kind of fun and cool because I I really cut my teeth as a young and on you know the original Legend of Zelda and uh, Ramona's hair color, if you all remember, changes a couple of times throughout the movie, and mm-hmm. they correspond with the uh, three goddesses from the uh, original Legend of Zelda. Oh, okay. Blue I never for Nehru and green for uh, is it Ferror? Is that pronounced? Yeah, yeah, I believe Feror. so. Feror. Um, um, also, yeah. I have a, I another piece of trivia. If you watch in the opening scenes of the movie when uh, when we first meet Knives, young Neil is playing a original DS, the old school, bigger silver one. Yes. When he closes the DS and talks about like that's a big question. There's no game in the system. If you look, you'll see <laughs> the Game Boy Advance <laughs> slot is empty. Oh, now, no. uh, 
Um, and so that's obviously clear that uh, the the actor who pl- did a great job playing young Neil probably didn't play video games, or even if he did, he was handed a prop. Yeah. And so there was no game in it. I remember the first time I saw that, I was heartbroken. So I was like, that's so obvious. Why would you put uh. so in it? <laughs> most, a lot of people like assume like the cast because they're in this was like super gamey. Most actually aren't. Yep. However, one who is very notable was uh, Brandon Routh. Most yes. are fat is and a, juicy and not gamey at all. No, Brandon Ruth is, uh, he uh, self has uh, said he has poured hundreds upon hundreds of hours into World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft and plays a lot of video games in his free time. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I am I mean, real close legit. to restarting my WoW account. Yeah, yes. you're legit if no, you're playing WoW. I, so sure. I, when, it, when it first came out, I was all on board and Same. I never, I, I, I got off, I, I got clean before the first expansion ever hit. <laughs> but I took, I took a paladin, uh, I took a paladin all the way to like max level. And it was, and actually that Burning Crusaders effort was coming. And I was like, yeah. it got to a point where I was like, this feels almost more like work than fun though. Mm-hmm. It's it like, did reach like, that point. Yeah. I just spent like an hour mining for fucking silver or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, and it's yeah, like, that man. That didn't stop me. I played all the uh, way through the the expansion that added the pa- uh, Mists of Pandera, which added monks mm. and the panda oh. race, which were well known in the Warcraft games, the original RTS. And then I stopped after that. I came back two expansions later, played for a while. And then when they announced Classic yeah. WoW recently, I tried to play that. And it's god-awful. The original base game that people oh, like no. hold on this pedestal, it's so slow and so clunky. That's well, just because I've heard. Yeah, and so but, I mean, like, for the time, it was like yeah, sure, yeah. of course, yeah. Uh, but going back to it is not fun. My friends who've been playing it, who I used to roll on the original game with and play with, are all loving it, and I'm just like, but, yeah. but it's but it's broken. I, I had a brief uh, dip my toe back in the water of that world, not with WoW. I don't even know if it still exists anymore, but they did a Warhammer online. They did. Oh, I really, it's I not, really, it's really liked it. It's dead now. It I really good. liked yeah. it though because what they did was they made it way more like PvP heavy than yeah. opposed to like just like grinding and stuff. And that was the fastest way you could level up was actually fighting other people, which I thought was more uh, interesting and dynamic and now fun. The, than, the, where it's at is Total War Warhammer, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but is that an RPG or is that like a RT like a real time RTS? RTS. RTS. Oh man. I know we're. Get, I mean, technically, we're not off topic because it's like a video, very heavy video game movie. But man, I could fuck up an old school like God, like God View RTS. You know, talking like like Command <laughs> like and Conquer. Red Alert. Red Alert. Yeah, I want a Red Alert movie. Oh man, I could mess oh, up one of those. It's I want been so a Red long. Alert movie. Or uh, like the original Age of Empires. Old school Starcraft. Oh, I still want that I'd Starcraft movie. It needs to. Oh, it needs to come. So it needs to happen. Guys, There's do so you want to start a, in it. Guys, do we want to start a Starcraft Two clan? Yeah, let's do it. Let's we do have it. StarCraft uh, too. I'm just not a big I, RTS person, so. I, I how are your macros, Sam? What's your macro rate? <laughs> not great. Not great. How I'm many? AP, what's your APS? What's your APS? The, the problem I'm, with StarCraft Two is that it wasn't StarCraft. That's the problem with StarCraft Two is it was never going to mm. be that first game, and so like it just was never going to hold up the way the first game did. But they knew that, and then they also re-released the the first game for the people who weren't going to be happy with the new one. (laughs) And still no one was happy. (laughs) That's true. Well, I just finished Uh, Last of Us (laughs) 2. I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it yet. Ash is an FPS. I am, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. 
each their own. I'm an infinite runner type. By the time this episode airs, the first of Ash's uh, side quest episode should be Ooh, up by then. Um, as well as Brad has already done one on the Unfinished Swan, which I want to get a copy of that because I want to play it. Um, it's after very listening good. To your episode. It's it, yeah. It it the you talking about it made me want to play it, and it's not available anywhere right now. What? Except on oh consoles. really? What? Yeah, I, was I saying, think so. it's on PS4 for ten bucks. Oh. Is it? No, I didn't see it. I'll have to look. I'll check. Oh. I didn't see it last time I looked, but yeah, like uh, it, it was. Yeah, so I do a, a a separate video game series. We'll get into this in the promo stuff. <laughs> Pat, what what else do we need to know about the movie? I yeah. mean, there's <laughs> there's just a ton of fun. I, I recommend look up. It's just it's nothing that's like crazy mind blowing, but just lots of very little interesting tidbits. Um, I always think like age stuff is interesting to me because how the people are portrayed. But like everyone's pretty close in age. But one thing I just thought was funny was. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is supposed to be 22 years old. His sister Stacy is 18. In real life, um, Michael Sarah is three years younger than Anna Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and wow. Likewise, <laughs> Ellen Wong, who plays Knives, who's supposed to be 17, is actually three years older than Michael Sarah. Oh, my yeah. God. That's hilarious. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So stuff like uh, that is interesting to me. There's, there's stuff that I... I think, do we want to get into the whole, like, do we think it'll hold up? Because uh, this is... this. Is yeah, we might as well, yeah. Everyone's seen this, right? This is a movie yeah. where everyone's seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, really this, exciting. Yeah, and this is one of those like ones uh, my sister and I really like, and we quote a lot to each other. Same. So it definitely, it's definitely one of the most, the most quotable. It's way up there for me as one of the most quotable movies. For sure. I'm, I'm obnoxious when watching this because I could recite the movie from start to finish. When it came out, when it first came out on DVD, it was back when DVDs were paired with Blu-rays and digital downloads. Like you got all three yeah. in one package. And so like at the time, I didn't have a Blu-ray player, but I had a DVD player. So my best friend at the time and me, my friend Neil, split it. He took was Blu-ray. He he, he he We're the same age, actually. He's actually six days older than me. Um <laughs> But uh, we split it, and he took the Blu-ray, and he gave me the DVD and the digital copy um, since he was getting the Blu-ray, which is valued more. And so back then, I had an iPod Classic that you could play videos on, but yes. it was like a tiny-ass screen. And during my lunch break, every day at work, I would watch half of the movie. So I'd watch the first <laughs> half, and then the next day, I'd watch the second half. And then oh, I'd rotate wow. again back to the like for weeks after it came out. I was so obsessed with it. Like, I just watched it constantly. I, I also then spent a good part of, like, five years not watching it at all. So I burned <laughs> out on it. But I watched it a lot when I when it first came out um, for home release. Yeah. Nice. It, was, it was super popular. Like... So it came out, I think all of us and our friends went and saw it in the theater, possibly multiple times. And then that whole like year after it came out, I was interning at DreamWorks. So I had like an hour long drive to work and I'd carpool with my friend. And every day it was the soundtrack. (laughs) Just got Pilgrim to DreamWorks and back to college. To DreamWorks and back. Yeah, that's uh, Jesse Jesse and Ben from the uh, DuckTales episode. Yep. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, and another fun fact, the song Scott Pilgrim off the soundtrack, the song Ramona, Hear Ramona Sing, all of those songs are on there because those are the songs that influence Brian Lee O'Malley in naming those characters. They're there because... They, you know, those very much influenced the characters and the design of the movie. I believe he, if not picked the soundtrack, helped, like, with the music director to assemble the soundtrack with um, with Beck. Yeah. And one of those bands she- is the the shirt 
that he's wearing, right? That you're wearing. So, yes. Um, well, so they're not on the soundtrack. Smashing oh, that's Pumpkins true. They're not, not on the soundtrack. Yeah. But, but yeah, the design of the shirt that no one can see, but I'm holding up for the Zoom, for the call, um, the SP and the heart is a Smashing Pumpkins shirt, but his shirt in the movie is a special one because the back of my shirt says Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. But if you but if you look in the movie when he turns around, it doesn't say that on the back because they didn't. Well, and have it's rights. also his initials, right? Scott Pilgrim, right. Smashing SPO. Pumpkins. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. I think we should do predictions because I feel like we could like dance around talking about this movie, but I want to like watch it. Get and into I know it. We're gonna, I know we're yeah. gonna have a lot to talk about in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just go because I'm talking already. Might as well. Why screw up the momentum, right? Um, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, very nostalgic and enjoy it. The one thing I'll say is, um, I think there'll be a few things that might not have aged super great. Not nothing too egregious. Um, I predict we're not going to like Scott that much, but the end, <laughs> more I think well, back you on shouldn't. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're going to like the movie. I think we're like, like a lot of the performances are going to be very fun and enjoyable, but I think if you get down to it, I don't, I don't, I don't think Scott is going to hold up to be that like cool of a dude. Like, I thought he's going to be kind of a dick. That's kind of how my memory of him is, though, from the movie. Like, he was kind of Mm -hmm. a wet blanket of like a, "Eh, I like you, but but not enough to fight for you. But oh, I'm forced to fight for you. I I guess I'm going to do it. Like, that's kind Mm -hmm. of my my watery memory of it. So, but a wet blanket does describe a teenage boy. So yeah, <laughs> he's not, he's 22. His oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> no offense yeah, my- to teenage boys. <laughs> None taken. Not that I'm a teenage boy anymore, um, but I was once. Um, uh, my prediction I'd say is some of the jokes won't hold up. I remember there being a little bit of fat shaming in it, which Though, if I'm remembering the movie correctly, it was for the characters to not be redeemable in that moment. Like, they were meant to be shitty in that moment when they make those jokes. Mm. But but that also could be my brain protecting me by saying, oh, it's not that bad. Um, so we'll see. Um, I don't, I remember, like, only the bad guys being kind of douchey and sex, sexist. I feel like, I mean, in my heart, I know the only redeemable character in the entire movie is going to be Knives. Everyone else is a shit heel. Uh, mm-hmm. except for Knives Chow. But we'll see if that actually holds up. But that's my memory you, of it. You leave Wallace alone. <laughs> <laughs> Wallace is not a good person. He's a lot of things, but not a good person. <laughs> um, but I think all in all, I'll still be entertained. I mean, I never stopped listening to the soundtrack, even if I haven't watched the movie in a while, um, because it's one of my favorite all-time soundtracks. And we'll get more into that, I think, in the, in the post-movie part. But, uh, but yeah, I think it'll hold up. I think it'll be fun. I think... I think uh, I think I'm still gonna love it. Nice. So I've I've seen this movie a few times. Uh, definitely more of the viewings were when it first came out than any time later. Definitely, I don't think we've seen it probably in five or six years at least. Uh, at least. And uh, but we have listened to the soundtrack a lot. Uh, but one thing I've spent I think probably more time doing. Uh, than actually watching Scott Pilgrim is uh, reading about Scott Pilgrim on the internet. <laughs> uh, the 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 Twitter conversations and the uh, the online essays about people talking about it and the uh, there's a couple well, one specifically that I remember that was just like hey remember that movie think about this and uh, there's gonna be definitely a thing a couple of things that are like 
super problematic. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Oh. That. I think everyone no. has agreed to just be like, that's fine. We're going to ignore that. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it when we get back. Uh, cause it sounds like everybody's aware that there's some stuff, but I think there's maybe a couple of things that are going to be like, uh, oh, like I never thought about it that way. Yeah. That's horrible. Uh, so, oh, no. uh no. but that said, um, I do really enjoy this movie. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I think it's going to be, massively entertaining um and i look forward to talking about the original ending when we get back oh, oh yes yeah, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. interesting um yeah i love this movie uh, i think i've seen it fairly recently i want to say maybe in the past three years or so but i initially Traitor. saw it in, <laughs> <laughs> it was before <laughs> um i think i think i initially saw it um in theaters with Brett, I think you dragged me to this movie. Like, I didn't necessarily know anything about it. And you're like, hey, you got to – I think that you took tracks. me and Bryce to see it. And you're like, you got to come see this movie. Um, and I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. Like, Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite films. Yes. And what I'm looking forward to in this film is the transitions. Yes. And um, I can't remember if it's every frame of painting or if it was another channel – that did a video all about like Edgar Wright's transitions in this film and how there are so many layers and details to a three second transition that you never would realize unless you like broke it down like this person Mm -hmm. did. But it's, it's just crazy. Like just so much detail went into even just choosing to pan from left to right into the next like scene. Um, So I mean, Edgar Wright, I feel like, is one of those filmmakers that has just this crazy amount of attention to detail that yeah. makes his film so good and stylized. And so I'm super excited for that. Um, there's one, I don't know if it's the same problematic things you're talking about, Brett, but there is one problematic thing that I have read about before that I'm kind of curious to see how I feel about it in this rewatch. Um and I don't necessarily remember the other problematic things. I'm hoping it's not as problematic as the birdcage was where I was like, oh, no, the whole plot of this movie is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, thinking about what I'm thinking about, maybe yes. but Maybe yes. We'll, okay. yeah, maybe we'll discuss. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Is, I was like, I have rose-colored glasses on. I don't remember this at all. But sure. is it? Oh no! It's what did I think it is, right? It's we'll, we'll watch it and it's find po- out. We'll watch it. Yeah, it's post movie combo. It's. I'm very. I mean, it's not your. The t-shirt. whole concept exactly. of the movie is one of Sam's. <laughs> yeah, like thing. That's, that's true. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But okay, but but not exactly. The soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I will maintain that. The version of Black Sheep in this song is yes. the best version of Black Sheep. That's and what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. And did mm-hmm. you know Brie Larson sings that? Yes. She does yes. sing that. That's she why does. it's the best Amazing. version of the song. It's, it is. Yeah. It's so good. Like, yeah. it, I love it. And, uh, the and one it kills me that you can't get it. Like, I know. You can't. No, you can't. It's not available. YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Somebody Which is what I do. But yeah. like, you know, I wish I yeah. could put it in a playlist or something, yeah. you know? 
I know. And that's where YouTube DL, the terminal-based mm-hmm. YouTube downloader audio file yeah. converter comes in. There, there uh, are, yeah, there are sites where you can take a, a YouTube We do have URL this technology. And, uh, I convert see. it to an MP3. And yeah. yeah. I, I do appreciate that they did eventually release a YouTube video of the full performance. I think for like yeah. one of the anniversaries where, cause in the movie, it's just a short clip of her performing it, but they did yeah. release, like they filmed a music video for it where, mm-hmm. and they released that where it's just her doing the full performance, which is pretty neat. It's on Apple mm-hmm. music too. So you can listen to yeah. it that way, but the sound is absolute garbage. Like it's not yeah. high quality. Weird. It's not. And a good I don't quality. know why. Yeah. Boom. Um, Crying. One final fun fact before we go to watch the movie. Um, the drummer. You? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> you can Apologies. give a final fact, though. Just don't cut it off before me. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I um, thought you went after Matt. Yeah. I, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I thought she'd gone too, Matt. So <laughs> it's not don't, just me, don't feel least. alone. Then I don't need to go, I guess. You imagined it. It's no, fine. No, 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 no. Sam, please. Your your thoughts about the movie? I guess you just before you forget it. I guess you just told us about how you watched it because you were telling us how you and your friend group all. So I I think that's why we thought. Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't my final thought. All right. Um. Yeah. So I don't. I've been saving this movie for the podcast. So anyway, moving on. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> the pinata. The pinata. There's no pinata. Pinata's a lie. Schrodinger's pinata. I want that to be a thing. There might be yeah. a joke um, inside. I've been saving this movie for the podcast, like, since we've said that we are doing the podcast. Like, I don't think I've watched it in almost 10 years. What? So I'm very Whoa. excited to watch it again. I have kind of cheated and like listened to the soundtrack and every now and then that Black Sheep song gets stuck in my head and I have to listen to it and I go down a whole Scott Pilgrim like spiral. Um, but I just remember this film being incredibly fun. Um, it was kind of in that weird era where like indie films but with like real film budgets were coming out yeah. oh um, yeah so it has like that fun like i don't know how to describe it, it. was Almost riding like, the money high of like little miss sunshine like and everybody yeah. was like let's put money into indie and like, juno and that sort of thing so like it it has that like small movie feel but like what those movies all want to be if they had like a big budget so it has great effects, like great music, great cast. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. I honestly, I wouldn't be thinking anything negative right now, except I've listened to all y'all shit talk it. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest little indie movie in Texas. Yeah. Um, so, and it's one of those things, we'll talk about it after, but like the soundtrack is so integral mm-hmm. to the film. Like it, mm-hmm. it is built around the music, which I love. Like a lot of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. they leave space for the music, and this movie does it expertly well. So uh, you you ping something in my brain, Sam. It's, thank yes. you, because basically Edgar Wright has said that he envisioned this and he shot it and planned. Basically, he said, basically, what I did here was I made a musical, but instead of stopping the plot to break into song, we break into a fight. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. A fighticle. Yeah, 
Yeah. I love a it. A fight-a-cle. A fight-a-cle. Yeah. yeah. A fight-a-cle. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like fight well, like, <laughs> uh, You were saying before, Sam, like you listen to the soundtrack a lot and it always reminds you of the movie. Like before I could buy the movie, because the soundtrack, of course, comes out when the movie releases, not when yep. it's available at home. I would listen to the soundtrack and clearly remember the scenes from oh, the yeah. movie based on the songs of the soundtrack. And those are the most important mm-hmm. soundtracks to me for movies are the ones that do that to you, whether it's a score that does it or actual pop songs. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think the, the music is easily one of the strongest parts of the movie for sure. Totally. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to watch it again. I've been waiting a long time. You have. Um, You're right. You're reminding me. I did just say fuck it and just was like, I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> you should. All right. I, and, and my final fun fact before we break is um, the drummer in in Envy's band, uh, Clash of the Demon Head, is a major character in the comic books. And she's a cyborg with two robotic arms in the comics. Awesome. Whoa. In, in the movie, she barely has any appearance other than backstage and barely and on stage. Look at her arms. Tell me if you can notice, because they are supposed to be robotic. She's supposed to have robotic arms in the movie, too. Tell me if you can see them, because it's okay. very hard to spot. So keep an eye out for that during the Clash of the Demon Head performance. Okay. Um, because that's something that's like a major plot point in the comics. Like, I think Scott fights her at one point, and she has, like, stretchy robotic arms, like, go-go gadget kind of style. Oh, I it, thought you were going to say he, like, ripped her arms off, and that's why no, she no, no. has robotic no, 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 arms. No, 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 no. <laughs> It'd be super dark. It would be super dark. But now I play the drums so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Brett, take us out. All right. (laughs) What about Matt? Is that was that your fact? That was my my fun fact. fact. Eject us to safety, Brett. I've taken my seatbelt off. (laughs) Hold the cord. (laughs) All right. Well, um, now we're gonna pause the show and uh, go and watch ourselves a little bit of Scott Pilgrim. We're still on Uh, this. Dinosaur. See y'all when we get back. God. We are Let's Rewatch! We're here to watch movies and talk shit and stuff! Uh, Sam, that was a phenomenal Kim. <laughs> that was very good. good. I yeah. like, I mean, that was one of those things if you're going to do it, you got to like commit. Yeah. yeah, to the yell yeah. and everything, and you did, yep. and I loved it. I really appreciated that. <laughs> Sorry, it was probably really loud. Brett's no, gonna be fine. really pissed. I peaked. It was no, great. Sure. <laughs> that was excellent. So Thank is, you for that. So, is Scott a criminal? Because <laughs> he murdered people? <laughs> no. Well, he's no, a not sex that. Offender. that. Yes. Yeah. The universe exists in a way where they don't ask about results. Like they just accept that people sometimes die video game style. Like there seems to be no repercussions in that world. It's not about the fighting. Are you going to Google the thing that you're trying to know and get on the list? Wait, if it wasn't killing people, what was the thing? (laughs) Age of consent in Canada, a 22 year old dating a a 17 year old. Oh, uh, you can date. It's just you yeah. can't have sex. Oh, there's oh, nothing illegal yeah. about them dating. Statutory is about sex. I yeah. feel like okay. you can just make her 18, but still in high school, and you'd still creepy, and you can still make fun of them. But it's not that. It's not. I don't know. Like it's 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 always going to be creepy. That's the yeah. point. Scott's supposed to be so not I'm, a I'm good fairly, person. I'm also fairly like, certain certain that someone would get in trouble if it was a 22 year old dating like a 12 year old, and it wasn't about sex. 
Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, and that's, I want to talk about that because that's right out the gate. It's early, it's addressed early, but it's like, because I just want to get out of the way because I feel like there's funner conversation bad, but it is something to talk about. Because yeah. they reference it in the movie, and I feel like they think that absolves them, but they're playing it as a joke. I don't, I don't know if it's okay. It doesn't feel okay, though. That's I mean, the they're only three that, years apart, right? No, five, no, five, five, twenty-two, and seventeen to seventeen. Oh, it's five years. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, okay, so I used to think that sort of thing was like really weird, but like, I have friends who are like eight or ten years apart from their partner. Sure, but count backwards. At what age? What age does the plot be weird for you? If it's twenty-two-year-old dating a X-year-old, sixteen, fifteen, yeah, definitely fourteen. Like, I mean, it it does make a difference because that's a smaller portion of your life. The older you get, the age difference. Like, the older you get, the age gap can widen and widen and widen. I feel like, and it still widens as you even. It's still technically fine, but I'm saying like. There's a much bigger difference. Even if you're both in your 20s, a 22-year-old dating a 29-year-old, seven years, that's a lot longer seven years, I feel like, than a 32-year-old dating a 39-year-old. All right. I'll be the one on the list. I mean, I feel like with Scott, like, Scott even admits, like, we just hold hands once. It was cute. Like, he also is in this relationship, I think, because he he doesn't want to do anything. And he thinks this is safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I, mean, I think I think the idea is that he feels safe in this relationship because there's no yeah. expectation of him, the older guy, to make any. Oh, also, you think right. he's doing it so he doesn't have to do anything. Totally. So he can yeah. There's this, no. Like, weird... He doesn't have to commit to anything. And yeah. it's an really. ego boost. Like it's very mm-hmm. clear, like in their subtext, that he is only with her because she idolizes him. So he has right. such a like devastated sense of self-worth that he needs somebody that's like a fangirl Mm -hmm. to him to build him back up again and that's ultimately why yeah he's with her yeah yeah totally i I mean for me the more problematic things if we want to get the problematic stuff out of the way first Uh as in as uh, leaving living in 2020 is how gender is handled in this movie how sexuality is handled in this movie Mm -hmm. um, how race is handled in this movie right like some crazy jokes in there yeah like um like uh what was it um wallace making a gay joke i mean makes sense sort of right like Mm-hmm. In the narrative, he's controlling the narrative as someone who's gay. But like Scott making gay jokes feels in poor taste. And I mean, they're they're quick and they are they are made so um, so um, Wallace can jab back at him. But they still feel a little in poor taste. And like the the garlic bread makes you fat line. Like it's funny, but also like obviously it means the context is fat is bad, which is not good. Or knives constantly calling Ramona a fat ass. Like those jokes have not aged well because mm-hmm. the implication there is just that fat equals bad, which is not true and not the case, you know? Yeah. I, uh, the, uh, yes, this, uh, Scott and Wallace stuff was like definitely like pinged the, the, but, uh, I think it's like the, it's okay if you're razzing with friends, but like it would be super weird if it was like from one of the villains of the movie or something. Yeah. Mm, right. It definitely felt like they had kind of a like They were very mean to each friend other. Friend language <laughs> that was mean talking. Right. So like mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been in friend groups like that or friend like friends like that where it's like and you would you would say stuff 
only to each other, only so only it's different because we, the audience can see that, but in the quote unquote world, it's only the two of them mm-hmm. that can hear that. And yeah. I've had friends like that where we'll, we'll say some like awful things to each other, but it's because we know that there's no, there's nothing meant by it. And at the end of the day, like we would a hundred percent like be there for each other and love each other. And yeah, um, I think there's a huge difference about that. And then what's actually happening in this film though, because Wallace never yeah. makes fun of him for being straight or like yeah. really yeah. jabs back in such a equal way because like, like well, he like introduces him and says, Hey, this is my gay roommate. And you see Wallace's face. Like, do you really have to say that? You know, like it's yeah. clear that he doesn't like it. And to me, the worst offending line is when he's like, I don't want you gain up the place. And you can tell yeah. that that really bothered yeah. Wallace yeah. in that moment. That's I don't true. think yeah. I don't yeah. think Wallace is taking any of it in a fun, friendly way. Personally, but Wallace did have a couple of like uh, jokes at straight expense as well, with like the uh, Scott complaining about his romance troubles, and he had the whole like, "Can we just pretend this is about a guy?" So I care, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the whole movie is making Scott out to be a bad person because he is. If yeah. you identify with Scott, you're a bad person. He's a bad yeah. person most of the time. Um, you hear that? That listener? needs to be said. Like, <laughs> like, well, I think this. The the but the point of all of that also is to make Scott somewhat redeemable by the end of the movie, right? Like he's learned something because right. through the whole movie, he's a re- irredeemable jackass, and I think he's still fairly irredeemable by the end. But like, at least they're trying to educate the the main character, show him that he's a jackass, and. I think yeah. Scott talking that way about Wallace is part of that. But yes, it still feels in poor taste and they probably could have done it differently. Yeah. I mean, isn't it Wallace in the beginning of the film or somebody in the beginning of the film asked Scott if he's an evil person? They straight up like that's yeah. the thesis uh, of the Kim. film. Yeah. yeah. Kim does. <laughs> yeah. By, by the end of the film, uh, he, he's a little bit better. Uh, like the, you ever see the very terrible Starsky and Hutch remake and Snoop no. Dogg has a line in it where he says, uh, that moves you up a rung in my book. That puts you at rung one. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. Uh, we might have to do that for the show. I, I don't, I, very terrible. I don't know, Brett. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about this later. <laughs> I mean, it does I've have, it, it so does have Snoop Dogg. So. And, and Snoop oh, Dogg man. is great. Genuinely. Most of the time. Yes. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so I think we, I, I think we've, we've, uh, quickly swept over with a flashlight the all of the dark <laughs> things hiding in in this movie. I mean, um, except the and there's the, the big as jokes, but yeah, yeah. But well, we mentioned, I mean, we Matt and I did say, yeah, the cat, the, the yeah. cat eyes glowing in the dark. And then, of, maybe they shouldn't have said any of that. Good grief! I, and then Sam, <laughs> do you want to address like the just the big like the whole the premise part you know yeah the, the woman is prize <laughs> i mean yeah that is yeah. this movie this movie That's is yeah. Movie, like yeah. Yeah. actually like, i yeah. i want to yeah. defend that in a weird way because that is video games like and no. this was yes. a video game you know like should mm-hmm. video games be better sure but like like princess peach your 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 princess is in another castle like yeah. i feel like this whole thing is like you know parodying video games and so i i feel like it makes sense i okay so yes woman is prized but this movie does something a little different that makes it a little less bad which is that she consents 
Um, Mm -hmm. So she agrees to the relationship. She gives him his phone number or her phone number. And she's the one that makes the call that they're dating now. She invites him into her house. She invites him into her bed. So like it's woman is prized is especially problematic for me when um, it's like the woman isn't a character and isn't a part of her own relationship with the man that just like won her. Um, which they do a, they do a good job of like kind of making the fight for her, like the fight with the exes a little more personal. Like it's, um, like defeating her exes is almost like an allegory for like her getting over them, especially with, um, Gillian. No, Gideon. 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 Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, like she goes back to him and she's like, there's something like he's got, he's in my head, you know, like literally in my head. Um, so I actually really liked that they added that nuance. So it is yeah. plain homage to the media video game, like Ash said, but it's also adding more layers of complexity that makes it not so offensive. Uh, it's almost yeah. like a video game allegory for like when two new people start dating and you eventually do have to go over your past relationships. Like it's there's yeah. past baggage there. There's things that you're going to take into this new relationship. And it felt like that was kind of a fun way to portray that healthy part of being in a relationship. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. building on that, uh, I might even go as far as to say that woman, woman is prize uh, wasn't actually a thing in this movie at all uh, because he didn't win her at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. It was what it felt more like was a pretty f- like fun to watch. Uh, like you said, allegory for, for uh, uh, like just a, a past abusive relationship. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah. she wanted to be in a relationship with Scott and uh, he wasn't fighting to win her. He was fighting to help her like break away from a toxic ex. Yeah. Toxic exes. Yeah. 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 And he you even know. says, you know, when when he has the extra life and he comes back and Gideon's like, you know, oh, you want to fight me to win her? And he's like, no, I want to fight you for me. Like, not not to win her. I want to fight you because I want to fight you. And that, yeah. uh, it, which, is, which is a great line and a great thing that they called that out in the movie because that's what so many people like to do when, when you finally stand up for yourself is they'll try to reframe your... Uh, argument as something ridiculous and that you shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing where it's just like no, no okay i'm doing that but i'm not doing it for why you said that i'm doing mm-hmm. it like fuck you yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they really yeah. made a, a point of 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 calling that out. i like i like it anyway when people point out bad arguments yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think what's interesting about the gender side of it that doesn't totally work is like Todd punches knives, right? And that's to show that he's a bad guy. He hit a woman, but that's very gendered. And meanwhile, when Roxy attacks Scott, Roxy won't hit her because he won't hit a woman. Um, even though he's you been mean a Scott douche- won't hit her. Right. Yeah. Won't hit a woman. And even though he's been a douchebag for other reasons. And then Ramona has to f- make him fight. And then like, and then it just it's just really complicated. And I and it's very binary. And like of course, movies back then were doing things outside the binary, but not as much as they are now. It's not as part of the conversation as it is now, but I still, watching it now, I'm like, this, by the video game logic, it shouldn't matter. Scott, Todd, whoever, should be hitting whoever because it's video game logic. It's very gendered to say I won't fight a tough woman. 
you know, but that's something that we talk about. We, you know, uh, shitty men's right activists have talked about that stuff also like, oh, well, I should hit a girl then, right? If you want to be equal. It's like, it's stupid. It's a non-starter argument. But like, the, it's a, in a weird place in this movie. I don't know that I hate it or I love it, but it's definitely obvious that it's very binary. There's no non-binary, no transgender in this world. It's just men and women, straight, gay or bi. There's nothing else beyond that. Totally. The thing I don't like about it is they make it like he says, I I can't hit a girl. And then I, it feels like Edgar Wright is trying to say it's OK that he hits a girl because Ramona's controlling him yeah. when he does it. Like, and th- th- that feels weird and gross. I yeah. read that on the flip, like different, which is like it shouldn't be a big deal. Like she's an evil ex. He has to fight her. But he won't own up. So, like, Ramona's forcing him to do what he has to do. Right. Um, that's kind I of how so, I yeah. read that. Like, I didn't. Yeah. He wasn't like, take my hands and fight for me. So it was like this. She's like, you got to do it with your own fists and, like, takes control. Right. It's just extra weird, though, because this is literally the only ex that the Ramona steps in. And yeah. intervenes for and like yeah. before she does that she's the one that like blocks the hit and like fights her a little bit yeah and it's like how come the girl is the one that you're willing to like fight and not the other ones you know yeah like why wasn't think, Ramona fighting for herself before or yeah after? yeah I mean mm-hmm. it's a good question I think they could have solved it with like just giving a little bit of the backstory like it would make sense right. that like she has more positive relationships with women, so she feels more able to stand up for herself and set boundaries. But like, not with men. But I don't know. And well, I've so, seen. Go ahead, Pat. I was, oh, I just I've seen the opposite of this scenario, this fight in a Jet Li movie with Aaliyah, uh, Romeo Must Die. Oh yeah, where there's like uh, a a badass uh, woman like assassin trying to kill him and he's like i can't hit a woman so he is like holding Aaliyah's wrists and like punching the woman with her hands wow <laughs> with like it's <laughs> that somehow feels worse uh, that is so much but, worse <laughs> another another thing about that scene that doesn't feel maybe i don't know i might be call, call me out if i'm misreading this but uh how dare you well, they had um, what was what was uh, the, the number two uh, uh, Lucas, Lucas Lee. Lee Lucas Lee. Uh, so they Captain they America. had already played up previously the, uh, the weird toxic masculinity, like bro mm-hmm. culture is a vice, and it brought down Lucas Lee. And uh, even in that scene, they weren't playing it as like. Scott being virtuous and like, oh, I can't hit a girl. It was definitely like played as a joke. Like, are you serious? You can't hit a girl. Like, she's going to kill you. Yeah. And, and it was almost like uh, another another moment of him confronting like weirdly toxic elements of his personality. We're just like, okay, you're willing to fight for this girl unless like you have to fight a girl like you know like what's going on here scott uh but Mm -hmm. that whole scene when he did that it was played as a joke and not seriously whereas like you know romeo must die uh definitely played it really like i cannot hit a girl and like it's Mm probably it was you know funny but like i mean to be fair to jet i believe he says i cannot hit a woman but still (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, yeah. I th- so it might have been assuming that everything that was done in this movie was done 100% on purpose. It might have been an attempt to like point out how ridiculous that toxic masculinity masculinity idea is. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's definitely not um clearly stated. So there is room for interpretation here a little mm-hmm. bit, but either way it does feel uncomfortable watching it this time where it's something I would have never noticed in previous viewings. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you hit on what I want to talk about, my personal favorite part of the movie besides Wallace, is Lucas Lee. Who <laughs> steals the show. Our yeah. buddy yeah. Chris Evans is and what's so uh, good and so quotable. <laughs> Sarah pointed out, my spouse, because we watched it together, when he goes, you're dealing with an A-lister now, bro. What's funny is in that moment, Michael Sarah is the A-lister, not Chris oh, Evans. Yeah. He wasn't Captain America yet. He wasn't. He had done Human Torch and, sh- and she's all that, but like he we wasn't like a big-time movie star yet. So that's Wait, pretty funny now on retro. She's had, all that? That's yes. Evans? Uh, oh, no, 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 why wouldn't you be? So that actually happened to Edgar Wright, apparently. Oh. Um, <laughs> what? Who was it? Yeah. Like he, he met someone from a band that he liked and said, told him he was a big fan. And the person from the band responded with that. With, uh, <laughs> was it why wouldn't you be? That's hilarious. Um, another fun fact about the video game, the stage were leading up to Lucas Lee, you end up in a few different green screens where aliens attack you and you fight them off. And then a director runs by that's supposed <laughs> to be Edgar Wright. Like a director Aww. runs by like yelling Aww. and screaming. It's that's a, a video it's, game version of Edgar Wright, which is pretty fun. I, I have not heard of this band. It's a band called the hives with, uh, oh, yep, I've heard of hives. hives. They're great. Pele, uh, they are Omquist? good. Mm-hmm. Is that the pronoun? Pele Omquist? Oh, sure. apparently said that verbatim. Edgar Wright. Wow. That's amazing. So funny. Not that cool. Tracks. Hilarious that because tracks. Edgar Wright is so much more famous now than. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part Blister though. Blister in the Sun? That's no, Blister in the Sun was Violent Femmes. Violent Femmes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. The high. No, the high. Um, they, they did. Um, um, I can't think of the song now, but it was a huge hit. It was in like the mid 2000s. But I, I hate to say out. I told you so. Oh, yes. Mm hmm. They yep, also did the Tick, Tick, Boom, which is a and very t- good oh, song, too. That was a, yep. That, they did not care for that song. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part, though, of the the one, the scene with Captain America is uh, how, like, after he dies, you just hear the director in the background. He's like, all right, that's a wrap. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I love like, that uh, this, like, movie set people are just unfazed by any of mm-hmm. this. Like, they're whatever, the picture's done. <laughs> There's this movie you could I'm glad we got this up because I want to talk about the fun stuff of it. And the fun stuff is there's so many little things. Oh, yeah. That you could watch it a couple times and pick up. And I do like all the little jabs about uh, filming in Toronto. Like they they film movies in Toronto because the whole thing is Toronto is like one of the most common used places for to be New York or any major city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, my favorite Easter eggs are the numbers before 
and after every X or during every X, like number two on on Lucas Lee's car, the four above the club, of mm-hmm. course, Todd wearing mm-hmm. the three, um, or the points that every boss, when every boyfriend dies, they're a thousand points. X. Two thousand points. Every X, yes. <laughs> um, two thousand points. And then like for the Katniyanagi twins, it's five thousand going up to six thousand because they're five and six. Oh, when they okay. die, the points are going up and up because it goes from 5,000 to 6,000. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I thought all of those little nods were nice. You know, the coins and um, I just, and then like, I, I always notice the transitions, but after Ash mentioned them, like the, the transitions are oh, so yeah. flawless in this movie. Like my mm-hmm. favorite one is when he first sees Ramona and it's just the baseline from garbage truck and you hear dun, 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 and he goes, Scott. And then it jumps to the band practice from so him good. yelling at Scott on the stairs is so seamless. Oh, oh also yeah. a fun fact. And then again the, to when they're walking into the party. I told yep. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the words on screen, like this one girl about to explode, um, the evil acts, like all of those words, like the bubble words that would show up. Those are titles of actual chapters or books from the Scott Pilgrim oh, wow. book set. Yeah, that's awesome. So like this one, this one girl is from the book. Yeah, all of the anytime you saw the 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 bold thick text that was like mm-hmm. a sentence or a phrase, those were all pulled from from the graphic novel. They were like novel. they were acting as like chapter titles or something. Oh like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's like the oh my god one when knives mm-hmm. is spying on them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. very cool. There was one that was named after a Smashing Pumpkins. Infinite sadness. <laughs> oh. Infinite sadness. Yep. Yeah, those are all the chapter names. And then the black box bubbles, like Scott, years 21, rating awesome. That's from the book as well. Like when you meet a lot of these characters for the first time, that black yeah. box with like their details shows up. Right. Yeah. I caught some for- I caught some foreshadowing this time around that I've never noticed before. Oh, there's mm. actually a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. When when him and Knives are doing, it's the second time they're doing like the ninja dance game and Scott just isn't really into it. And the Nega Ninja. So not just the fact that there's a Nega Ninja and there's a Nega Scott, but um, I can never beat him. And then Knives says the phrase, don't beat yourself up. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> That's good. I caught, which I had never caught before, was um, they're like, uh, Scott and Ramona are talking and he's telling her about his ex and how she went away and started dating someone named Todd. And she's like, yeah, I used to date someone named Todd mm-hmm. too. And then cut to the mm-hmm. scene later and there's Todd. My favorite one is always going to be, um, uh, so I have to fight yourself with seven evil ex-boyfriends, exes. Like that correction oh, yeah. every yeah. time every until time, he yeah. gets it. Yeah, that, that, that I always love. I think that's really well done. Uh, yeah. I, and another thing I caught that I've never caught before. And again, I love, I do enjoy, again, I love a lot of what is the word is, doesn't mean anything. I feel like at this point, the word hipster doesn't mean anything, but I, I love a lot of that <laughs> culture, but I also like making fun of r- ridiculous parts, aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I caught two lines, two or three lines that I don't think I ever noticed before. Um, most of them come from, I think the guy's name is, Como, Como, he's Como. the guy who, like he's talking Como. to him, Como. Oh yeah, uh, when he's coming into at the very end of the chaos theater, he if you listen, you hear him go on the side. He's talking to a group of people. As Scott storms into the chaos theater, he goes, "Yeah, but their first album was way better than their first album." It's just like <laughs> it's an automatic thing he has to say over and over, yeah. and then 
And then uh, young Neil has one when Clash of Demon had, pl- they literally just watched them play live. And then it cuts to knives like, oh, that was so amazing. And his like automatic response is, yeah, yes. you should see them live. They're way better. Yes, live. I got <laughs> that one this time too. I was like, wait, what? The great <laughs> thing about the Como line is that when Scott comes to the club the second time, he goes, mm. yeah, the comic book was, mm-hmm. the movie is good, but the comic book was better. Oh, like commenting on so what they're making. Yeah. I'm a huge New Girl fan. So every time I'm like, oh my God, it's the guy from New Girl. <laughs> I'm just distracted about that. So I'm never listening to what he's saying. <laughs> What's your favorite fight? Oh, oh that's tough. So yeah. here's a little trivia. Um, I, I the the first fight against Matthew Patel holds a special place in my heart because Sarah knows uh, Satya, who plays Matthew Patel. I don't remember how they know each other. Either they were in school together, or they worked on a pro- like they worked together on a, on a benefit or something. But like they know each other, um, wow. they're acquaintances, and so like I, I've been hearing about him since and after the movie because he's been on other stuff too. Um, so that one kind of holds a special place in my heart. But as a music nerd, I think the bass battle is my favorite part because the whole lead up to the Todd Ingram stuff is great. The base battle is great. So there's a part where, so again, we were saying before, like uh, Scott had to play poorly on purpose because, because Michael Sarah is actually a good bass player in that scene. You can see that they show Scott play his hands a lot. They don't really zoom in on, on um, Brandon Ralph's hands much, but there's a time where before, Um, Brandon Ralph like finishes him he lifts his guitar and puts it back down and that's very clearly an homage to Rock Band which that's spoofing because Rock Band to turn on your star power you would have to lift your instrument and I just love that Um, I do like that part a lot whatever the first uh, bass line Brandon Ralph plays in response to I know I really really mm -hmm. like that and anyone else rewind the uh, Clash of Demon Head song though again because it's so good it's so good I, I think my favorite is the fight with the vegan guy just because yeah, the yeah. jokes are yeah. so good. And the fact that the uh-huh. vegan police come in and they have <laughs> finger guns and then as they like leave, they like high five. <laughs> so well, those good. are like recognizable actors too. Yes. yes. That little, it's like there. Thomas Jane and uh, I forget the other, the other guy's name, but he's in a ton of stuff. Yes. Like, and they're it's both so uncredited. Good. Like oh, they're really? Not, they're not in the formal credits. They're uncredited on IMDb. And I don't know why they're not credited. It could be because at the time, um, Thomas Jane had been Punisher already. So maybe there's a contract conflict of interest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they're uncredited, which I think is great because they're two big character actors who have been in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that high five, high five as they're running away. Like, yeah. It's it's just, so well, I think we all, it's, this is the type of movie that's very quotable, but everyone I feel like has their uh-huh. own like favorite, like three or five quotes that they pull from it. Definitely one of mine is, it's milk and eggs, bitch. Yep. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. All the time. So good. <laughs> yeah, I love favorite. I'm in lesbians with you. <laughs> that's good. And th- th- then at the end he goes, I said lesbians. Yeah. Um, my favorite line will always be, Tell it to the cleaning lady on Monday. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she dusts. And like the, she dusts. Like, I just love that whole, well, because she has the weekends off, right? So, yeah. Monday. So or good. I like it's my favorite. Free Larson, where she's like, because being vegan just makes you better than everybody. <laughs> so yeah. good. She and, did amazing job. Oh, she's so good at this. So you know this. she's such like a nice, kind person, but she plays that like snotty character so well. 
Yeah. Like, so believably. So does Audrey Plaza. Like, I feel like they both, anytime they were in a scene, just Julie. stole the scene. So yeah, good. Hands down. Oh, how are you doing with that? How are you doing that with your mouth? I don't fucking know how I'm doing it. It's just so. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So good. <laughs> did you see on her the live reading that she did that for the live reading? Yeah, she held up a black square every time oh, she was really? supposed to curse. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very so good. Fun. I don't know if they did it in post or like if she was playing it, but she like played the sound. The like, yeah. Oh, like she had a soundboard. Yeah. 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 It was good. Audrey Plaza uh, would have a soundboard. Uh, Sam and Brett, did you have a favorite fight? Mine was also the vegan fight. I feel like one. mine was the the fight against the twins. Uh, it's good. The uh, it's very the much animation's really fun, and the, that where it moment, becomes like a yeah that moment when they get blown away and start doing the backflips is yes. Just, yeah. That's like a lot maybe of the most over the top movie. moment in the movie for me. It's just like that yeah. is totally. so ridiculous. Like you can tell that they've got like the wires on and they're just the doing they're the flips, you know? Yeah, they flip completely <laughs> different directions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I. Uh, that fight I love particularly because Threshold is my favorite sex bomb song. It's just such a good raw song. Um, it's such an angry song. Um, I love all of the sex bomb songs. I can sing along with them. I know all the lyrics. Like they're just they're I want a full sex bomb album and we'll never get one, but I oh. want one. Okay, so I have a question because I don't think I ever realized it's Bob. Um, Bob, yeah, it's a Bob Nintendo thing. from like Mario. Because I've always said Babom. Yeah, sex that's not Bob-om. what it is. I know, but like I've always called it Babom, and it's technically like. Babom. Yeah, yeah, it's technically Babom because yeah. the little the bomb that walks. He's, yep. His first uh, name is Bob, and his last name is Bob. Yeah, Bob-om. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I still think the Lucas Lee is my favorite fight just because I love Chris Evans so much. It's so good. And it's he's so, good. so, even when he's a dick, he's so charming. Yeah. Like he's, when he's like, oh, you didn't get, you don't know? It's like, oh, man, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, let's go get <laughs> well, a beer. Just like, or I like that I, he seems nice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I love that Scott is like, does what like a lot of people do in the face of celebrity. No matter who the celebrity is, you know, people sometimes will be like, oh, my God, he's famous. You knew somebody famous? Like that, mm-hmm. even when he's getting punched, he's like, can I? punch can i have your autograph like mm-hmm. always getting beaten. like it's just it's so good one of my other quotables though is my sister and i will often do some is when he's so he's grinding down the rail wow <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow. anytime i laugh at a text message i'm just like ah, that was hilarious actually <laughs> <laughs> amazing um uh, i want to talk about like the filmmaking though like the cool Please. filmmaking things in this because so like, beautiful it's the, such a beautiful movie there's so many details like so when he goes in the bathroom and then he reopens the door and that's like a whole you know he's in the hallway all of a sudden that's a real set that they rotated mm-hmm. for the shot so that it's like it's not special effects it's actual real practical effects for that shot which is amazing yeah. Um, and then, like, another shot that just has, like, just amazing detail is when they're on the bus and Ramona and him are talking and she's telling Scott about her exes. Through the window on Ramona's side is a bunch of exes in the background behind her. And then Scott's talking about whether or not they're together. And on his side, it's a bunch of hearts that, like, look all bokeh and, like, out of focus. And then when he finally asks her, like, so are we dating and she says yes 
her side turns to hearts too. And it's like such a crazy like detail that nobody fucking probably notices, you know, except for Edgar Wright. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like there's there's just insane lighting effects in this that are also practical. Like there's so many times where somebody says something like like Audrey Plaza when she's like, I forbid you to date her and the background lights dim. Like that's all done practically, oh. which is so mm-hmm. cool. All yeah, of that, that stuff. Yeah, that one or when they were walking up to the Lucas Lee fight and he said something about like, yes, it, you know, it's just it just feels brighter. And then like the, <laughs> the, all the lights uh-huh. turn on. Yeah, and then like the sound design too is also just amazing and I feel like it just adds, you know, a layer to a layer to a layer on everything, you know, like like in some of the split screen things, like the split screen when he's talking to Anna Kendrick like opens up and we hear a cash register noise when it opens and then a cash register noise again when it closes because she's at work and we're we're just hearing the ambience of her work, but it's matching the story. So and storytelling good. it's it's just or or like when phenomenal. she's when he's like are you still at work she's like i'm just leaving and mm-hmm. then he's like cool good i'm coming in and then like there's aubrey plaza doing her hair and you expect it to be his sister and she turns mm-hmm. around and he's like what the fuck do you want <laughs> like totally so good and there's all these like little setups that kind of pay off as a joke or like subvert your expectation it, it just well, like a really fun clever way and the example that you just gave in the shot of Anna Kendrick waving from outside, like, sorry, I had to go. There's a poster next to her that says, experience what attention to detail tastes like, which is meant just for, it's an Easter egg for people who are paying attention to the details <laughs> yeah. in the scene. Like, <laughs> it's crazy what Edgar Wright has put in this film. Like, yeah. the, it's, it's bananas. It's so much. I did keep... I did keep thinking how like diff- it was just beautiful to look at, like mm-hmm. all these different frames and shots, and like the uh, yeah, there's just one of my one of my favorite special effects transition shots is when Envy calls Scott for the first time, and they're talking, and it pans and slowly becomes yes. from his wall to the um, the multiple photos, like from a photo machine of the two of them, and it's like Nat as yeah. Natalie, like with her hair down, and like it, it shows the story of her leaving through those mm-hmm. photos. Like that, it's just like, and you could completely miss it if you're not looking at it, and it's done yeah. so well. And yeah, it's such amazing. Good job with like the subtlety and how they did like her hair and makeup. Like she still mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. the same, and like the way she carries her face, like you can see her character change without having a scene of it, like without yeah. her like moving, which is just it, it phenomenally well done. so thoughtfully done or like uh ramona mentions that todd like punches a hole in the moon for her Mm -hmm. and you can actually see the hole in the moon in the shot whenever there's the 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 roof yeah Yeah. it's just nuts Mm -hmm. like it's it's shit that you wouldn't really notice or one detail that i really like too is at the end gideon's sword whenever he sweeps past something with it it turns all eight bitty as his sword like goes by or whatever, like just crazy details that are, it's just, it's insane. I don't, he's an insane person. I don't know how he does this. (laughs) One of my other favorite scenes is the final battle where um, apparently the trivia for that, like the scene where when Scott's fighting Gideon the second time and they, they cross swords swords and then he pulls them close and goes, Hey, and then they back off each other. Apparently um, 
what's his name who plays Gideon? Jason, Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Oh yeah. Couldn't get that scene. Like every time they got in close and he went, Hey, like they both just lost it. Like they, ju- <laughs> like they just couldn't get that scene. Um, <laughs> he plays like slime ball. So good. There's like a slimy shit. So well, uh, the thing he does, it's a slimy shit. That is a personal pet peeve of mine for other people. I personally have zero preference. If people call me Pat or Patrick, I don't mm-hmm. care. Honestly, don't, but I know a lot of people like it, it's important to them. Um, like my wife goes by Katie. She's not Kate. She's not Catherine. She's Katie. And, um, Ash, I know you're, you're Ash. Like I don't know you as mm-hmm. Ash. I've never heard anyone not call you Ash. Um, <laughs> I've heard somebody murdered you. them. My mom <laughs> one time called you Ashley. And I was like, who? Yeah. She's like, you know. <laughs> but and I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> listen, he doesn't call anyone by their like right name or the same version of their name. He calls Kim Kimberly. Oh, right. Kimberly. Throughout oh. it. He doesn't call anyone by, he never call, says the band name correctly. Um, That's right. He doesn't, he doesn't even get call the name anyone. of the League of Sex Evil Pops. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he doesn't yeah. call anyone by like, and, and honestly, I've seen, I've known people like that. I've known it. And part of me wonders if it's like, somewhat of a conscious thing like a power play i mean oh yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. it's real important to get people's names right because that's mm-hmm. like uh-huh. you get some, you, you repeatedly it's, get someone's kind of name wrong and you're just yeah it's like i don't care enough about you to to figure this out mm-hmm. yeah um, totally i would i would feel remiss if we didn't take some time to talk about how brilliant the music is used in this movie we talked a little bit about it pre divide but like i had forgotten how many songs aren't on the soundtrack that are just like 8-bit orchestrals and like like background stuff for the transition shots and also they use an instrumental garbage truck once when they're in practice they use uh summertime once and then there are a couple of songs like when they're in the chaos theater the first time that song they're playing doesn't appear anywhere that's just in the movie like i forgot how much more music is in the Mm -hmm. movie than even is on the soundtrack like there's so Mm -hmm. much music even yeah, there's like, like the song with knives, right? Where he like runs into her briefly, and that's like mm-hmm. it's just very minorly there. Yeah, but or it's like good. when Ramona's going with Gideon for the first time, like in the limo, they're oh, playing under my under thumb. Your thumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, so good, so good, and it's not like in your face. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's subtle. But it adds to the mood. And it's weird totally. that they were able to, like, mesh so many different types of music. Well, but they did beautifully. And they all fit. And it's funny because other movies do that. And it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, right. I think specifically of um, some of the DC movies I've seen where <laughs> there's, like, a song. And it's, like, literally the text of the scene is the song. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. but and I think the difference is in, in Scott Pilgrim. Uh, like under my thumb was playing in the car, like in the background of the shot, and yeah. it wasn't it's like, like motivated. Yeah, they yeah. didn't turn down. It wasn't the the volume. It wasn't like, like in your face. Music. Like here, here, listener. I'm for our listeners. I'm putting my palm like up to the camera. Like here, <laughs> get it, get it, get it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and you can see the roots here. Like of you can you can see Edgar Wright building up to baby driver because oh yeah every single song in baby driver is like that it's perfectly chosen it fits it doesn't feel like it's in your face but it's also a part of the storytelling and it's just amazing 
how he does that. And, and you can, you can see the, like the start of that here, you know? Well, it always, it's, it's super interesting and I'm not going to conjecture too much about it. Cause honestly, I don't know wh- what everyone's motivations are, but it always seems weird that there's a lot of movies we watch where it feels like I don't, you, you have these ways to tell a story with the visual, with the words and with the, the, the sound effects and music. And like so many movies, they don't focus on the whole package. And it's like, right. you know, it's, it's all yeah. about the script or it's all about what's on screen. But like, rarely do you get someone who actually cares about using a medium to its full extent. Uh, like Edgar Wright. Yeah. Does. Totally. I think it's also yeah. hard, like from, an indie filmmaker perspective, like I can't do that. I can't use, I can't afford to use the song under my thumb. So like the idea to even do that is like so far out of reach for me that I don't Mm -hmm. even think about it, but I wish that I could because Mm -hmm. how amazing would that be (laughs) if I could use that other tool, but that tool is too expensive for me. That's true. You wish you could get Nintendo to say it's okay to use the Legend of Zelda theme. <laughs> oh my god! Right. Well, and think about that. How expensive it was. They had to get Nintendo's permission for Zelda. They used the Seinfeld theme when Scott yeah. comes home. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. all of that costs a lot of money. Um, so and it's well, I don't know and the Universal uh, yeah. theme too. Well, by how much? Right. How many, I don't fun. know if the Zelda one was money. He, there's a. I mean, maybe it was the. I think note it was he wrote just was attributed enough. by money. Yeah. But no, no, it was the actual, because he wrote them, oh. he wrote Nintendo, Edgar Wright wrote Nintendo letters saying he considered that theme to be the, quote, nursery rhyme of this generation. Totally. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so I don't know, maybe that. I, maybe I, I, I wonder how much music. stuff, like how many of those themes Universal already had their hands on yeah. with huh. licensing. I was just going to say the sound design also as we're talking about, but before we get off music, the 8-bit version or 16-bit version of the Universal theme at the beginning yes. too with the, oh, with so the 16-bit mm-hmm. logo like into I, the Zelda theme is so brilliant. So good. And like, Do you know who that voiceover is? No. The the few pieces of narration that are like real short and quick? Uh-huh. Bill Hader. What? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Wow. That's amazing. Whoa. I never knew oh that. Oh my god. That's, That's crazy. Great. But like wow. Back on the universal theme, what an amazing way to set up your movie. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. just goes to show that like Edgar Wright from the first second the movie starts, he knows what look and what aesthetic he's trying to achieve. And literally every part of the movie is circling back to that yeah. and circling back to that story that he's trying to tell. Totally. It's so good. I remember seeing that in the theater and just immediately like sitting up in my chair, like, what? Mm-hmm. You can do that? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> I, th- I yeah, feel like that was the first time I saw it. Then. Like, no, Chiptune is yeah. pretty well known now. And like, there were Chiptune artists back then too, for sure. But like, it, it was definitely less common in pop culture than it is now. Yeah. Well, and like I'd never seen anyone change a studio slate like that before. I, I yeah. feel like this was the first time I ever saw that happen. It's it's more common now, but yeah, and it's it raises the question of like, do they never do it because the studio doesn't like it, or like does no one care as much? Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I I love stuff like that. Like as we're all like creators and we have to create things and i love i'm sure we all have had those moments like ash just described not that i mean the fact that he did it is cool what i like is what the moment ash had is i love that and i've had those moments like reading 
books and reading things where it's like you can fucking do that or like you can just like stop your narrative and like have a funny note to the reader from the author or something like that like commenting on what you just wrote like just like being very tongue-in-cheek and breaking mm-hmm. your own fourth wall and and yeah it works and as long as it's good you can kind of do it you know I, I love those moments where we're all like you can fucking do that yeah, yeah. no way i want to do something like that yes okay great <laughs> like i love seeing precedent yeah, yeah. I, I feel those, like there's those so many moments. of those moments in this film too where it's yeah. like like the you know like the i know it's supposed to be like a video game but i feel like a lot of the fight sequences also feel very anime in style superhero and, movie too yeah mm-hmm. yeah but like very specifically anime. I mean, like Gideon like pushes his glasses mm-hmm. up and we get the shine, which is such mm-hmm. an anime thing, you oh, know, yeah. like oh, yeah. the like punch and like the profile view of the person flying back from the, you yep. know, such classic anime shots that it's like, whoa, you could do that. Like you can make it look like anime or mm-hmm. the fight with Gideon at one point dissolves into literally a bunch of still frames. It's like photos. Oh, yeah. And it's like a, yeah, it's like a montage of photos. And it's like, I would have never thought of that. What an amazing, or what an fa- amazing thing. The fact that they <laughs> change <laughs> aspect ratios. Oh, yes. A lot of aspect ratio changes. He like, like breaks every rule. <laughs> it's Can amazing. you imagine, imagine the first time of, like someone shot a movie with someone breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. Oh <laughs> and yeah. Other, yeah. And other directors and be like, What? Well, so I think that actually, was Woody Allen, right? He was one of the first. Well, fun fun old film fact is like the way film started was by breaking the fourth wall. So like oh. one of the most famous like little, you know, like what do they call them? Like penny films or nickel films or something? Penny oh. Farthing, no, that's a bike. Penny um, Farthing's the bike, right? A Nickelodeon. 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 Yes, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. I should know that. Animation. Um, <laughs> they would have like a train coming at the screen and Mm -hmm. it would like freak people out and they'd run out of the theater or like one of the oldest pieces of animation was Gertie the dinosaur, which like breaks the fourth wall and like leans into the, the audience and like, you know, interacts with um, like the person on screen. So it's just, it's funny how it's like come around. So like that's where Mm -hmm. film started and then it was kitschy, and then we got like really cinematic stuff, and then we yeah. brought this kitschy thing back in a cinematic way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's that whole cyclical like everything's cool till it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Pirates oh are god. in this year. <laughs> oh my god! That whole conversation <laughs> and like the so that fight starts off this roller coaster of sound design too. Like my favorite mm-hmm. thing is like a lot of executives, I assume, are like, oh, people won't understand that. You have to explain it to them. There are no explanations in this movie why people turn into change, why it says KO, why why there are special effects and Super Saiyan vegans. Like they don't spell it out for the audience. And I don't know anyone who has not understood that. Even someone who doesn't play a lot of video games or watch anime still get that because it's so kind of uh, easy to understand, especially based on like the way the sound design is. Each hit yeah. you can feel yeah. the KOs every time they happen. It feels so video gamey in the best way. Like I love all the sound effects in this movie as well. They're done so well and so cleanly. 
So I think theory. a lot of the story wouldn't I, – I think if you took the sound design away, it, it would detract majorly from the story here. And it, it might be harder to follow just because the sound design is so key in a lot of those moments. Totally. I'm wondering if the video game aspect of it works so well because of how they set it up with the universal thing like that mm-hmm. right so, like that is set up as a video game so that sets the tone for the whole movie kind of like in the princess bride like it's a very realistic story for the most part but then um the grandpa says like there's a story about love and there's even a miracle and so that's oh, why yeah. when they bring wesley back from the dead you're like you're accepting of it you were warned ahead yeah. of time that there was a miracle that was going to happen yeah, so yeah, totally. it's the, uh, the equivalent of that. The setup for, mm-hmm. for, for people like my mom, where uh, if she went into that movie <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the uh, they put the digital thing right at the front. So she goes, oh, OK, it's one of these instead of like <laughs> the, the regular logo happens. And then all of a sudden she's like, I don't get it. Why is he floating? Does he have fireballs? What's going on here? Why did he turn into <laughs> coins? I don't get this. I don't like it. So I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really sorry to derail, but I'm having a personal moment of revelation over here. Oh, because yeah. of the because bringing up Gritty the Dinosaur, I was like, oh, yeah, how old is that? Holy shit, 1914. That's fucking crazy that they did an animation in 1914. And then I went down a rabbit hole, and my mind is blown. Because you guys, in Disney World, in Hollywood Studios... There is a like an ice cream stand in the middle of Hollywood Studios that is a giant brontosaurus sculpture. Mm. It's fucking Gertie. It's Gertie. Oh, it's Gertie. I never that knew. Makes it, yeah. sense. Wow. Yep. Wow. So I'm blown, blown away. Like that's such a great uh, like homage too to like the birth of animation and it's in this you know like yeah yeah in Disney, which is like one of those like foundational animation hubs. So it's yeah. Sorry, wow. I just, I'm just okay. having a moment over here. Like, yeah. Love it. So <laughs> I'm curious back. if anyone else felt this way while watching this movie. Uh, but like I got serious like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind vibes. Like I feel like Edgar Wright might have been it's the blue influence. Hair. <laughs> I was just well, it's say not it's just her that. Hair. There's also like this, the shots of them on the swing set in, you know, on the ice are mm-hmm. very reminiscent to the shots in Eternal Sunshine on the Ice. Like the lighting and the shot variation is very similar. Um and like, you know, some of the themes are a little similar too. Um but yeah, it was because Eternal Sunshine did come out before this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> How far before this? Uh two thousand four, yeah, six years. So which exactly the length of time. Years to be made. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm telling you, he saw the movie and he was like, that's it. <laughs> Let's do that's that. I love fighting. I love that swing. I like that swing scene and the scene before it because, like, him hitting his head against the telephone pole and the thock and words showing up. Like, that's uh-huh. that sound design, but also being vocalized. Like, yeah. there's a lot of comedy in the sound design or even when they're walking through the c- club and Ramona's asking him about his exes, he's like, well, what about knives? And he's like, Oh, knives and I are great now. She's doing great. She's with young Neil. And you hear, Oh go, yes. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just those little sound assigned moments or even like when, or the one um, with Kim and it's like the, like yes. the, like horror sticker noise. When uh-huh. you- 
I love the scene with them at the party and like they're all just having a terrible time. But like very subtly in the background, Kim is just standing there like glaring. Glaring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. I love Kim. She's amazing. Uh, But like there's the the there's like these surreal moments with him and Ramona that are very much like the surreal moments in Eternal Sunshine as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like these weird dreamy moments that are like not. They they don't feel like the same style as the rest of the film. They're like weird and surreal and dreamy, and they're floating through this door. Um, yeah, some trivia, I don't know. Some trivia mm-hmm. on that. So the reason that feels so disconnected is because the movie was supposed to be much longer, but they had to cut it for time and for better arrangement. But in like she says briefly, oh, "Why are you in my dreams?" Oh, there's this convenient stretch of subspace highway that runs through your head. I guess you don't have that in Canada. In right. the comics, it's a big deal. Like the subspace highway is an, is like this transitional dimension where you can travel sh- long distances in a short period of time, and doors with stars on them get you to them. And so, oh. it it's a big part of the comic. But in the movie, they only used it as like scene change moments, and they barely explain it because. It, it's true that you don't really need to understand it to know why that's happening. Like you just accept it. Like you accept a lot of the other stuff, but yeah, uh-huh. it's the subspace highway is this thing that runs through the dreams of other people. And that's why Scott keeps seeing her because she uses his subspace highway because it's convenient to her Amazon delivery routes. Gotcha. But it's, oh. but it's never really explained. Um, yeah. It's like, an, it's like an ethereal plane. Yeah, and that's why, like, they use the door, like, oh, don't worry, the, there's a thingy over there. A thingy? Yeah, a door. Like, it's, she's so nonchalant about it because it's the subspace highway. She uses that to tra- to travel. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Isn't there, like, a weird door thing in, in Eternal Sunshine, too? Gosh, it's been so long. Maybe. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. It's a good one for the podcast. <laughs> It is and it isn't because well, it's such a good movie. Let's pause recording. Go watch Eternal Sunshine and do no. a three-part. No, no it's I'm too late so, in New York for that. It's so like, it's such a good movie, but it's so depressing. Yeah. Yes, very. Ramona's <laughs> kind of shitty, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, Matt called it. Pretty much everyone sucks. It's yeah. kind of yeah. a dick. Knives is the only... Re- well, that's not true. Some guess. of the other characters are... like I, Wallace also is imperfect, but is doing the best he can. Young Although, Neil has never done wrong a day in his life. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> true. But like, I love Wallace. Except play Wallace a DS without a game in it. That's yeah. true. He did. Yeah. That doesn't Although make him I, evil, though. Just dumb. I got the scene wrong, though. The scene, the scene where he's talking to Knives in the beginning. There's something in the Game Boy Advance slot. It's I think at the dinner table or one of the other scenes where yeah. in where the DS game goes. There's nothing in it, but yeah. like it's a quick oh. scene. Uh, it was and in it's the really very beginning. Noticeable. Yeah, I think at the breakfast. Right. Yeah. When they're at the table, yeah. Um, also love like callbacks within this movie happens so much some so close together like the first scene where they're talking about how cool knives is like they do the same conversation twice like go back to the part where you said knives is cool yeah she's awesome and then steven whistles like that whole rotation happens twice and then they do things like that later in the movie too where mm-hmm. moments are repeated in a different way it's mm. great yeah yeah i have a those. question about yeah. the fourth x so did he just orgasm her to death? Is that what yes. happened? Yeah. Yes. Also problematic. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. going to leave yes. that over there. <laughs> yeah. That that whole fight with Roxy is better in the comics, but I don't think is less problematic. Like, mm. I haven't read the comics in a really long time, and I think after this I might reread them because I haven't. 
in a while, but I feel like like in in the comics, like so they hint that Stephen Stills and Julie are dating. But in the comics, the reason Stephen and Julie break up is because Stephen realizes he's gay. Not that he's bi, he's gay. And falls in love with another man who becomes oh. his boyfriend through the rest of the comics. But they never touch on that yeah. in the movie because there's not enough time. Um, hmm. And so, yeah, it, you know, the Todd fight is more drawn out. And then everything pretty much after Todd is completely different in the comics. Everything leading oh. up to Todd is oh. more or less scene for scene similar. But everything after Todd is resolved differently. Like, I don't mm. think, uh, like, yeah, the, 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 the fights are a lot less cut and dry, uh, sloppy, and, and, like, more, it shows more of, like, the, the growth and less growth of Scott and, like, expands the characters differently. Because a lot of the women in this movie don't have anything to do except be an ex of Scott, someone who hates Scott, or someone who dated Scott. Whereas in the yeah. comics, there are, there are, they elaborate more on Scott's love life and his past and these characters. And so they, they build them out. But in a hour and a half to two hour movie, you have less time to do that. So you kind of say is you have stuff. the time to flesh that out over an entire comic. Right. Of arc. course. Yeah. Um, Wait, who was the one that was supposed to have robot arms? Yeah, oh, totally so the drummer of clash. And so she has bandages on her arms in this. Um, Which is a funny trivia thing that Kim gets upset that there's also a girl drum. Every drummer they're shown all in this girls. Movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's are so girls. funny. But they all hate each other, which is also funny. <laughs> girl drummers do hate each other. So though. imagine <laughs> you're watching this movie and we get to the last scene, and uh, Ramona just walks away, and Scott and Knives end up together. How would that make you feel? I don't know. I know why you just said that. Wait. Oh, it's because it's the ending. Because that's, that's the, the original ending. Yeah. Yes. The, that's, that was the first it. one they did. Yeah. Honestly, they changed it. I kind of maybe better because, like, I kind of liked the idea of him not ending up with Ramona. Well, the entire because, Gideon fight was set up that way, where like Knives yeah. jumps back in and like, oh, they work so yeah. great together, and then they like they have that moment mm-hmm. after they beat him and. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently yeah and like for him to like realize (laughs) yeah for him to have that moment of like oh i do work well with this person that i had all along that i was taking for granted you know yeah but also fuck it i do like that they the with the ending they gave her they gave her the line like i'm too cool for you like she really yeah Yeah. she is way better than like yeah scott's whiny scott's whiny and sucks and yeah also the ick factor i think that's probably why people didn't like that ending because it's like it was cool when it, it was kind of cool when it was a joke, like, haha, you're dating a teenager, but it's not serious. But then if you end the movie with him being serious with the teenager, like, no, mm-hmm. no, that's not okay. Too yeah. far. Well, it is okay in Canada, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> like, the alternate ending, I think, works also. But honestly, I think the better ending would be Scott ending up with nobody because. And like yeah. both women realizing they don't mm. need him, I think is the best ending. But that wasn't like, but it was a classic at the end of the day, even though it wasn't woman as prize explicitly. It was a romantic comedy and they were the main couple of the movie for the majority of it. So for them to end apart didn't seem to make yeah. movie logic sense to some degree. Um, I also do love the lead up to that with Nega Scott and that they just become buddies. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a brilliant way of because the mirror match is a big thing in video games. Like stuff like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter always yeah. had those where you'd fight your duplicate as like a second to last boss. And so to have that happen and then they find out, oh, they have a lot in common. We're actually pretty great guy. Well, like, I, I just I think that was a really good trope to play. 
I read the text of that scene literally is they walk out of the room and they're like, what happened? And he's like, yeah, yeah he's a nice guy. Like, Scott's the villain. Right. <laughs> oh. Scott oh, is a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. That's hilarious. That's good. I think I like that. also, like, I will say, I think for it to be a happy ending for Ramona, like, she needs a good guy in her life. Yeah. And asterisks because like Scott isn't the best guy ever, but like right. he's in comparison. So right. He even says like, oh, that's so sad that I'm the nicest guy you've ever dated, you know, yeah. but like she needs that. And so that makes it a happy ending for her, which is good. But yeah, yeah I don't know that I'm necessarily thrilled about the ending either way. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently people really hated the uh, the original ending at the screening. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, they tested it and it did poorly. Apparently, but I don't I, know. I I feel like now I, I don't know that I care one way or the other. I think they're both okay endings for that story. I think people are very resistant to stories that break the mold when yeah. they first come out, and I think like mm-hmm. uh, no spoilers or anything, but I think. Last of Us 2 is a great example of that where I think it's amazing storytelling and they did not give you the Hollywood version. They gave right. you a more nitty gritty real life version of a story of, you know, revenge. And like, I think people don't respond well to that when when it first happens, you know, when people are first trying to break the mold. When you first um, said break the mold, I don't know why I went to being John Malkovich. Like, <laughs> <laughs> geez, how much did the test audience hate that movie? I wonder. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably a lot. I don't know. That's a good example. I keep, I keep thinking about it. I think if I was if I was writing this, I would think I'd be really tempted. I'm not saying I would. I would be really tempted to have there not be like any kind of basically the three of them just kind of being friends at the end, agreeing yeah. to be friends. Yeah. Um. And yeah, because like, why me, does there always have to be? Yeah, because the whole story, you know. Yeah, well, and and so much of this is built on like your, everyone's self worth is determined by being like Scott's been in like a funk since Envy dumped him or whatever, and so he needs another person to get him out. It's like no, you should be able to get out of that. Like the yeah. whole like love yourself before you love someone else. Be comfortable with yourself. Um, I, well, and another person le- shouldn't define yeah. who you are. Yeah, where it's like, maybe what we need, you know, we all helped each other grow as the three of us all helped each other grow. Like Knives has matured and become more comfortable with herself. And Scott has realized what a shithead he's being. Ramona is not, you know, is kind of free of this, like, these toxic relationships. And they all kind of helped each other get there. But you don't have to have a romantic necessarily. It can be like maybe we just needed to be there for each other. Maybe, you know, and just kind of, and then they form a band and they're a band. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, see, and I feel like that, that kind of ending or the one where he ends up with knives might've been an ending that people liked today. I think this is where we Mm -hmm. land on how things have changed in Mm -hmm. so little time, honestly. Uh, but like the the twenty world of twenty ten was totally in you know uh, the, all of the weird like uh, internet toxic culture gamergate nonsense yeah. was still below the surface like ha- not yet 
you know, in, That's in the true. public eye and, you know, the, even at the core of it, the, uh, Scott did all the stuff he was supposed to do. Why isn't he with Ramona? Like, it mm-hmm. is the sort of argument that you could, I could totally see someone making in earnest back then mm. that you couldn't really even float today without being, you know, derided a little bit. Yeah. I, I think, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep harping on it because it's so good. But I think it's the same thing with Last of Us 2, where it's the toxic <laughs> male, male, uh, you know, gamer, cent- because it's a video game that is centered around female protagonists. Mm-hmm. And and female, there's a lot of female-led characters, and there's even transgender characters. And I think the toxicity of of the gamer world, unfortunately, is still very much a problem, even well, today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to a lot of the loudest voices are straight white men, and they still think men and women can't be friends, and that men and mm-hmm. women only have relationships. You can't be your be- your lover can't be your best friend. It's just the whole ball and chain. Like all of that kind of stuff still exists in society on a high level. That a lot of that stuff still won't fly. But you know, I think through the lens of sexuality and gender in 2020, even though we still have a long way to go, unfortunately, there are definitely some things in this movie that fall short when put against that. But this wasn't made today. It was made then. Now, there are arguments that there's plenty of media from 2010, I think, that also still was fighting against that norm. But that doesn't mean that it's okay. But it's, it's important to recognize these problems. And I think we've done a fair share of doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I agree with Brett. I think Brett is absolutely right. The ending where they're friends or the ending where it's with knives would fly much better today because we're paying more attention. You know, we, we understand relationships differently now than we did even 10 years ago. I know I am. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that might have done better now. But at that time, people were like, no, he's got to get the girl. Yeah. I don't know if the one ending with knives would end that great today still, even though, even if it's quote unquote technically legal, it still feels icky. That's true. True. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how that played in Canada where that's not the case. Oh. What's not the case? Because the age of consent in Canada is 16. Oh. So maybe they thought they were being like super like safe about it by moving it one year past that. (laughs) Like. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah it's like, uh, give ourselves a buffer year and everyone in the u.s <laughs> is just like nah <laughs> uh, yeah i feel like that's like a cultural thing yeah. you know like i don't think that that's necessarily as weird as we feel it is as in other countries and we are also um, a much more prudish yeah. country than most other countries yeah at this personally point, it so. doesn't make it it doesn't bother me in this movie at all. I think because he's not really like a gross pervy character and he's not like trying to just have sex with her. So it doesn't really bother me. And it's honestly not that much of an age difference. Like when I think about like the, the maturity level of a 17 year old and a 22 year old, like they're pretty on par. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. She's more mature than he is by far. (laughs) Yeah. Like hands down. But the difference is 17 is probably a senior in high school. 22 Mm -hmm. is a college graduate. Yeah. 
I mean, I I, I, I think at a young age it's weirder. I think when yeah. you get older, it doesn't matter. Like my specialty, yeah, yeah. absolutely, by many years, absolutely. and so like, but it it is. I think it also depends on where you are in life, right? Like, I yeah, think you're absolutely right. It's the experience and the kind of person you are, and we do see by the end of the movie, and it's important. Knives is absolutely more mature than Scott, even after that burst of immaturity where she dyes her hair and she's calling Ramona a fat ass. Mm-hmm. Like she comes around so quick, quicker than Scott. At that moment, because she's still teaching Scott in that last moments of the movie. Well, and like, how is that any different from a freshman dating a senior in high school? Like, that's like the same age gap. And that totally happened in my school. But like, so a single year makes a difference? Like, I don't think it it's, does. You know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, ad, it's the age range. Like, people yeah. five years younger than me. That's like what Matt was just saying. Like, people five years younger than me now. Uh, like totally probably on the same wavelength as people five years older than me but like 22 went five, I, I even remember when i was 22 i was like fucking high schoolers are so goddamn annoying yeah. what's going on <laughs> yeah. yeah a better equivalent would be a high school senior dating an, a, a middle schooler. schooler yeah yeah like that's five yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess it's, it could happen but it's, it's there are idea. hard lines. I guess there's like hard lines, and that'd be like the legal ages, right? And then there's kind of like gray area lines, yeah. and then there's like personal preference lines. I just remember even being a senior in college and thinking like the freshman women in college were too young. Like, yeah, like that's just yeah. And that's I don't know. I think it's perspective and life experience. Yeah. You learn a lot yeah. every year until you hit your 30s and then you think you know everything and then you hit your 40s and find out you don't know shit and so I'm told <laughs> and then go and it goes on and on um but I feel like it, maybe it's it doesn't definitely creep me out cuz I was a high schooler who dated someone who was outside of high school so it doesn't feel weird to me I don't know <laughs> sorry be. how much older was boots that's not the first. You don't know the person okay, I'm talking the other person. about. Okay. Yeah, it was just before oh. I went to tech. Sorry. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So um. I don't know. To me, it's like not that weird. I don't know. It's, I think I mean, it, it totally happen, happens and it's I, totally realistic. I guess I have a different perspective on it, which is like I dated somebody a year older in high school and then we broke up and then he got older, but he kept dating girls the same age. So like I yeah. was in well then that's Dude, problematic Matthew McConaughey? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so it's like I don't know. That's that's my association with it. It's like ooh creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I the dude I dated was creepy too. So yeah. I think that's the universal creep factor with it. Is it's like, yeah. yeah, is he is he a 22 year old dating someone five years younger than him, or will he become the 30 year old dating someone the same age? Like, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it raises questions in in yeah. about people more than it, that specific scenario being weird. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've beat that dead horse like three times, <laughs> final thoughts. Sure, I still super loved it. Uh, it's one of the first movies in a long time that has just like made me excited to watch it. Like not just like oh I'm excited to put it on, but like I'm in the middle of the movie and I'm like excited that i am actively watching it um super fun so well done like great energy just like a great feel good no consequence movie that i highly recommend there's there's some dated stuff but it's not so egregious that like it's a deal breaker 
So. Oh my God, Matt, did you change your shirt to another Scott yeah, you Pilgrim just shirt? Yeah. Have you yeah. Been? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Only been talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Very much enjoyed it. I know it seems like, I just think it's sometimes we pile on movies or call out all the stuff that's wrong with it, but I think it's important to be able to acknowledge that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just talk about it, and then it makes you aware and conscious of yeah. just your day. It's a hundred percent the plot of this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm saying like I could see someone who maybe if we're getting like new listeners or someone doesn't really get like, well, you just like talk so much shit about like half the time was talking shit and the other. How can Pat's you say feeling you like really it? like, guilty right now. No, He's I'm like... saying you can like something. No, I'm saying you can like something, but also point out yes. that there's flaws. flaws in it. Yeah, yeah. And I think yes. it's important to make that distinction. Nothing is all 100 percent good or 100 percent bad. So like I really like to Sam's point, I loved watching it. It was very fun to watch. It was a very enjoyable watch. And it's okay to to say that and also point out like, yeah, this, this, this weren't weren't cool, weren't the best, but overall, you know, this is a, a lot of fun. And it's again, it goes back to two, the intent. Like, is there malicious intent or is it just, you know, different time and before mm-hmm. a lot of you know, societal evolution? But very fun. Matt, thank you for strong arming in the door making us do this i'm I'm really glad we did i enjoyed it yeah i'm really glad. yeah thank you also pat you said there's no such thing as a 100 percent good movie sorry I, I princess believe- bride and then there's nothing oh. else yeah. <laughs> i thought i was gonna say alien oh alien yeah mm. oh, Ooh. oh. No, it's fun. Which, fun story i just watched alien again because uh is that your day, first time recording. since our episode it is. I'm uh, joining our fellow network show, the Real Movie Critic versus the Synagogue, oh. doing like an alien themed. I wonder why they picked that um, <laughs> movie marathon with ET, Alien, and then tomorrow I got to watch uh, Color Out of Space that Nick Cage won. Oh wow! What? I've never even Boy. heard of it. I, yeah, I haven't heard I remember seeing a weird picture poster for it or something, but yeah. I would have guessed Signs. Oh yeah. God, well, that one fucking scene in Signs. That one fucking scene in Signs. Anyway, I obviously haven't don't, watched it. Don't make me start talking reason. about Signs. <laughs> oh, have you never I seen really it? I really didn't like the sex scene. No, no, I've seen it. I just, uh, I'm one of the very few people I, f- I feel like that has a problem with the entire premise. But whatever. Well, yeah, I think Signs is. Dumb. I don't think you're one of the few people. I think a lot of yeah. people have pointed out the obvious problems with that movie. <laughs> anyway. But this movie, yeah, I, I feel like you're talking about the, the the things that are problematic that you can overlook and the things that you can't. And I honestly feel like the only, at the end of the day, the only really like s- still malicious comments in the movie was everything anyone said about knives. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's probably never going to change because most of that stuff was just like, oh, that was unnecessary. Uh, but everything else in this movie was hilarious and fantastic uh the fights are really fun um a lot of like acrobatic fighting the uh, i just love how much uh, special effects and animation were in this movie subtly i mean not so subtly in that one fight but there's a lot of stuff going on in this film and uh, it was just as fun now as it was when we watched it the first time honestly like this is a movie that has aged pretty well I would mm-hmm. definitely watch it again. Totally. I, I love it still. It's so fun. I feel like every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I forgot how good this movie yeah. is. 
And it's just amazing, again, like all of the tools that Edgar Wright uses through the entire movie, like every single scene has what feels like its own treatment with something unique and different that another, the other previous scene didn't have, which is just, it's bananas guys. I don't know. I mean, he spent six years on this film apparently, and you can tell (laughs) he spent so much time on it. Uh, I guess this is what you get when you spend six years on a movie, but, um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's as far as like problematic shit goes, it's really not that bad in the grand scheme of movies we've seen True. on this podcast. So, True. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I think because it's actually I, a good movie, we can hold it to a higher standard. You know? Yeah. So that's where our criticism comes from. It's a place of love. Totally. Um, um, my final thought on the problematic stuff, I do want to point out that Wallace Wells was not a gay stereotype. He was a guy yeah. who happened to be gay. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like no lisp, no flamboyant hand gestures, none of the things that were still commonly used at that time. He was just a guy who liked guys and that was it. And like casually having sex with guys, like implied sex, like none of it was strange or called out or like, like at one point he goes, Scott, I need my own bed tonight. It's for yeah. sex. Like it's just super <laughs> casual and nobody, and Scott doesn't go, ew, gay sex. Like, there's that one moment where Scott reacts to seeing them naked, which like would startle anybody, I think, no matter what, yeah. if they're your roommate. Mm-hmm. But like, it's he wasn't played for a stereotype, and I I truly appreciate that. I really liked that a lot. Um, yeah, Kieran called and, and the best. The, <laughs> He's great. Yeah, and like the fact that you know it's this gay man and the straight man living together and sleeping in the same bed, and, and at no point, not even when oh. he's like drunk, did they ever imply. <laughs> That, you know, one of them is going to try to, like, get frisky with the other or something. Yeah. Like, it's just a friendship and they just happen to share a bed, which I thought yeah. was, like, you don't even see that today. No, which in the 80s and 90s, too, would have been really played up for quote-unquote oh, yeah. laughs. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. For Scott sure. being uncomfortable with that or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but the but fact my- that nobody's uncomfortable with it, not even, like, the boys that yeah, he's yeah, bringing home guys. and yeah. they're all sharing the yeah. bed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but my final thoughts on the movie, I'm sure to a shock to nobody, is that I still love it. Um, I I am many things on this network and as a nerd, but the top tier are music and video games. And this movie seamlessly blends those two on a level that I've never seen in any other movie before or since. Um, some movies get close. I think that the new Birds of Prey movie was pretty close but not necessarily video games, but like comic books and music, like the soundtrack to that is really good. Yeah. It's another kind of mixtape soundtrack in a similar way, like compilation like this is. Um, and Spider-Verse also mixes music and, 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 sound, and movie super seamlessly. But I think this will always be the standard I hold all other movie soundtracks to. And the fact that it seamlessly blends video games and music nerdery, like with references to other bands and like styles of music, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of flawlessly executed on that level. I agree with what everyone else is saying. The problematic stuff does stand out, but I agree with Pat hundred percent. I think one of the biggest problems with nerd culture on the whole come for me, if you must, is that people can't, criticize and love something. And it's important. Critique is important because it generates Mm -hmm. conversation, understanding, and growth. And if you can't critique the things you love, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Um, 
because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And the fact that I can watch this movie now 10 years later and acknowledge that there's a ton of sexism in it and, and some of the homophobia played for laughs doesn't really fit. Like it shows that you're learning and that the media that we consume is learning. So Scott Pilgrim still gets two thumbs up. Definitely a recommend. I think, you know, from the queer community, they might have a different perspective, but it's hard to say. Um, but as a bi man, I can say that I thought I saw the problematic stuff and still think that as a whole, the movie plays pretty well and is done pretty well. What did you think of just side note? Because we're talking about video game movies. What did you think of the Jumanji remake? Because I thought they made some pretty fun, like video game, you know, incorporated things into that movie. So. So unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. I want to, but oh. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, I, I well, like the original Jumanji, but circle I, back. <laughs> I I do want to see it. I've heard good things about it, and like I love that cast. I think they're well, except Kevin Hart; he can fall off a rock. I don't care, but like the rest of them, <laughs> the rest of them are pretty great. Um, and I like the Rock in almost everything because he's just charming as hell. Um, so I'll have to see it, but but I think. Barring that, this is one of the best representations of video games that's not specifically a video game adaptation of a franchise. It's just its own thing that is like right. a video game. Yeah. yeah. Well, then you would definitely like the new Jumanji. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It's also, are as- we the only other people on the planet who hate Kevin Hart? Because I also don't like Kevin Hart. He <laughs> had, said some he- problematic shit. <laughs> yeah, you might have missed his very, very bad couple of weeks on the yeah. internet a while back. Yeah. Oh, he pissed this is when he got everyone. the Oscar host king pulled when he was fired from because he yeah he made some homophobic shit. stuff that was yeah. just oh, shitty right. and short but I didn't like you, him. You just mean in too. general you don't like him. Yeah, yeah. just Which in general fine. I don't oh. like him. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I was like indifferent, like mild, like eh, once or two things are kind of amusing, and then I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, yeah. I well, just don't find him very. Did everybody funny. go? I think that I was think everybody. So. Yeah. All so right. That, that was Scott Pilgrim. Wait, wait, wait. What? Well, speaking of video games, are we going to have Matt plug his podcast? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or does that happen after what you say? That's, we how do many episodes? Then... Wait, no, don't answer <laughs> I love question. how Ash How many episodes have we done? I really don't know. When did the pitches come? They, I love I that I still doesn't know. There are, I thought we would thank there are 52 him. 52 weeks in a year, <sighs> and we release every other week. So 52 divided Bruh. by two times however many years we've Don't been sit here and sass me, Sam, like you haven't fucked this up too. Don't <laughs> yeah. give me that sass. Hey, you guys you leave Ash alone. She's <laughs> you know, busy editing and doing post-production Thank on you. what is going the future award-winning it's, it's not even it's shot. not even that yeah. she didn't remember it it's that she's interrupted me every episode <laughs> that's why i'm laughing as a listener to be like wait don't as we have to do something else it's like yes are you sure you want to argue with the person that edits as a listener of this show this bit never gets old i just want you to it's not a bit that's the thing it's not a bit this is all real like we genuinely this suck. Is all, so. all right i that's have what, a Scott memory Pilgrim. of a goldfish and you know it you matt, know intro it. outro fuck-ups are not bits thank that's you for real. coming on the episode matt <laughs> thank you for having me even though i bullied my way out of the podcast again no um, such thing. it's a pleasure You're to welcome. be on this show Thank you. I love this I'm, show so I'm much. Glad I'm I could so be happy here. you guys are part of the network. I'm glad you could ah, be here too. You. I'm so <laughs> glad. Um, no, I, I love doing the show. I'll come back whenever. It's just, it's so fun. I think the concept is great. And like, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So to be able to come on for this movie meant a lot to me. So thank you very much.
Awesome. You're welcome. Now plug your stuff. <laughs> Are you sure, Ash? Is now the time? I don't know. Is yeah, he is allowed to down, Is this good? Is this a good time? Yeah, go I ahead, thought, like, we did our we did our thing, and then we give them the last word. So I thought we always thank them and ears. then do our thing. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, None of us know what's up. <laughs> so, um, for those who don't know, I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm DJ underscore Stormageddon on pretty much all social media. Um, I am a podcaster on Certain POV with everyone else here. Um, I have three shows on the network, Screen Snark, um, which all of these folks have been a guest on at one point or another. Um, I have Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff that I do with the incredible Jeff Moonen. I have a sub-series under that banner called side quests which some of you have given me episodes for and some of you will in the future um which is a uh, series where different hosts talk about games they love and why they love them it's a great series it's a love letter to video games um and then i of course host reignite which is a deep dive on the mass effect series until we run out of mass effect and then who knows um, I also host a show called Autographs, which Pat has been on. He promoted the Red Opera on that. Um, I will have the rest of you on at some other point. You're on my list along with everyone else on the network. Um, but that's an interview series that I've been doing the longest with all sorts of folks in the arts industry, um, you know, from writers, creators, podcasters, burlesque performers, pretty much anybody. And then I'm also, if that wasn't enough, a streamer. I stream on Twitch at DJ underscore Stormageddon. And then with all of my abundance of free time beyond that, I also edit for a ton of podcasts. I'm a sound engineer and an editor. Um, But if all of that was way too much and you've already forgotten everything that I've said, just go to my Twitter, which is DJ underscore Stormageddon. You can find everything I do there. Do you ever sleep, Matt? I I do. And the funny thing is, all the stuff that I do, I was doing it when I had a day job. I don't at the oh moment, unfortunately, but I was. So now I'm just doing it as my day job. I mean, I, I promise you, go go check out Matt on Twitter. Follow. He has a project you're interested in. He has some <laughs> one of the shows. Yeah, like, Thank you, Pat. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, for <laughs> sure. Khajiit has wares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I promise you, he yeah, he's got one of his one of his shows will will uh, strike your fancy, tickle your fancy. Is that supposed to be a joke? No, I just trying no, to that's the, trying it, to finish it, the it sentence. Is t- tickle your fancy, was... tickle your fancy is the correct. <laughs> I said strike your fancy. Uh, okay. That was incorrect. I like that um, better. That just adds a striking like someone's a, fancy a BDSM element to an already weird saying. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. true. I feel like oh I just got God. a window into Sam's soul a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ash, engage the audience. So while you're on Twitter following Matt, you can also follow us. We're at Let's Rewatch, where uh, we do fun things like sometimes we'll do a movie poll so you guys can pick the movie. Or if we or the guests pick the movie, I will tweet a still frame from it and you guys get to guess. And this time, Ralph uh, slam dunked it from down the court right away guest scott pilgrim and good job ralph our old old buddy ralph and um also matt uh mitch sorry not matt mitch is I'm very mad. very mad pat's laughing a lot at ashes slam dunked from down the court you ever play nba jam you can do that in that game <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> i don't know sports ball okay <laughs> listen <laughs> Fine. I'm not talking at the end of these anymore. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> you can do it. Is that not a thing you can do? No, it's not a thing any human can do. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that we know of yet. They hit, they hit a real touchdown. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Listen, I'm did you st- see that ludicrous display last night? <laughs> oh. Um, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, we're less than two weeks away from the Red Upper Kickstarter going live. Woo. If you're listening to this in the month of September, get the fuck to the Kickstarter page and back it. I need it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. I the last year of my life. Um, uh, honestly, if you're listening to it, uh, by the time you're li- when the Kickstarter goes live, I'll have a link on my pinned tweet and probably on my profile on my Twitter. Go to thepadhours.com. Go to that link. Um, if you like, if you're a fan of the show and you like me, no joke, and you want to support it, use the link from my social medias that I'm posting because we're all getting like different links and we get like extra credit. Ooh. For stuff that we bring okay. in, hey, so Pat, we get new listeners yeah. every week. Wh- what is the Red Opera? Give us like thirty seconds. Yeah, did, yeah. why do, the, should they give the, you the monies? So the Red Opera is a massive, epic <laughs> fifth edition D and D campaign book that I co-wrote. It is based on a uh, orchestral metal rock album, heavy metal album, and stage show by the band Dia Morte. Uh, we yes. have we, we are now as a me recording this. We are officially have a sponsorship from the Metal Hall of Fame. What? We have new music that's been scored by the Budaf- Budapest Symphonic Scoring Orchestra. Wow. And every chapter has a QR code that translates to a track as like a backing track for playing that chapter. That's dope. In the book. It's and you all got to check out the epic. video. Because the video yeah. is a fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah, like yeah. The artwork, Let's, the mm-hmm. music, everything. Like... If you're yep. like, I don't know about this thing, like, go check it out. It looks yeah. extremely legit. And, and pro. Pat let I'm us play part of the campaign, of and it was dope. It and was. our rewards were having like custom mini miniature figurines of some of the characters, custom dice, one of a kind you can only get there, GM screens. Uh, we're getting, uh, we have a, a company doing custom dice towers, a 3D print Whoa. of like one of the buildings from the campaign. <gasps> That's so cool. Oh. Uh, this will be on the really, really up there tiers, but we actually have a leather worker. We're doing limited edition, a leather bound copy. <gasps> what? How much yeah. is that one? It's gonna, I don't even, okay, I'm not setting the prices. Okay. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the, the Kickstarter. But, you'll see. But, but the, the one last thing I'll say about all these different rewards and stuff, what we're doing is we're going to structure it. So it's not like all or nothing. So you're going to, there's going to be kind of an a la carte element to it. Okay. Because sometimes with Kickstarters, you'll be like, yeah, I yeah, really you just, want you this just throw thing, like thirty bucks. But I don't more give a shit about these thing. other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you'll be able to do is like do like the lowest tier you want, and then add a memo and be like, I'm putting an extra thirty dollars in because I just want the dice. I don't, I don't want the mini. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, totally. but I don't want to buy all of it. So you can get exactly what you want. I definitely want the dice. Excellent, Sam. And tell people what they can do to help us out. So, hey, if, she's got it. She's got it. Our, I've been doing this really well for the past. Sam like, actually I was been super you. flame chair. Sam actually supporting. been like. I, it sounded like I think sarcasm. Sam has been the most consistent. No, I was like, t- you were like already on it, and he was like telling you what to do, and I was like, shut up. She's got it. You know what? I'll just be quiet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I talk now? <laughs> go go go! All right, if you liked our podcast. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, and tell your friends we want more listeners. And if you give us a five-star review, we might read it on the podcast. <laughs> We're looking at you, Allie. Where's our five-star review? And, and Pat will send oh. you 20 bucks. <clears throat> Wait, uh, Pat, well, what? <laughs> but has anybody given us a five-star uh, review? I will do, send do you 20 it? male deers, yes. <laughs> we actually had a new one from a while back that we totally didn't read, and I'm very sorry, and I don't have it ready, but I'll read it next time when I look it up. Uh, but until then, uh, Matt, thanks for sitting through all of that. <laughs> You're welcome. And smiling through most of it, it, I might add. We're professionals. Um, listeners, join us next time when we watch the definitely not problematic at all 1952's Untamed Women. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. It better be porn. For some reason, it's better if it's porn. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.